Battleline Podcast, episode 125. Uh, in the first segment, we've got some news stories to get to. And then after that, as you can see from the title here, we have uh, Jason Rao coming on, guitarist, lead guitarist for Breaking Benjamin. But for the new listeners, and I know that especially when we have someone like a uh, musician on, sometimes uh, the people at Blabbermouth will pick this up. So there will be some new people checking this out. So if you've never checked out the show, my name is Ian I'm Parato. Chris Parato. Yeah, and this is Battleline Podcast. Every week, we usually interview guys in the special operations realm, but every now and again, we'll interview people who are outside of that realm, people like Jason Rao, but they have a connection in that Jason, beyond just being a guitarist, is a guy who is an avid reader of special operations books, avid listener of podcasts like ours, and that's really how I got to know him. Um, we got plenty of stuff to get to, but before we do, brand new sponsor on board for this show is Guns, Coffee, and Freedom, longtime friends of ours, and they give back one bag of coffee at a time. And uh, yeah, we're very excited to have them on board because beyond just making incredible products, they really give back, which I'm going to get into here. Guns, Coffee, and Freedom is a coffee and apparel company dedicated to giving back to the men and women in uniform who are willing to give so much for nothing in return. Founded by a former police officer, Guns, Coffee, and Freedom strives to provide our nation's heroes, whether law enforcement, military, or first responder, with the opportunity to strive after their time of service. Whether it is medical assistance, financial assistance, mental health help, special adaptive equipment, entrepreneurial opportunities, or just help transitioning out of service to civilian life, Guns, Coffee, and Freedom will aid in connecting you with the right charity or foundation specific to your needs. By partnering with other law enforcement and veteran-owned companies, they're able to stimulate small American businesses and give back by donating 20% of all sales quarterly to various military or law enforcement charities who are dedicated to the same principles that the company was founded on. Although time and service may be over, the promise of camaraderie and service to others will forever be the guiding light in what they do. So try a bag of their award-winning, veteran-roasted Moab, mother of all brews, dark roast coffee, which has all the flavor of a bold dark roast without the bitter aftertaste. And I know you love their yes, and, they, they make and, and Jeff, for those, Jeff DiBiase is the gentleman that runs the... I shouldn't even call him a gentleman. I think I'm, I think he would even want me to call him a gentleman. He's a, but he's a great guy, tremendous individual. Uh, that being said, he also makes a tremendous product and he does put his money where his mouth is. He's a, he is a monthly donor to the 14th hour foundation. And, you know, and I, I admire the heck out of him and he does a great job as far as the coffee goes, but even does a better job, just, just being a person. But I always think that ties in together. I think you have integrity within your business you have integrity within your product and it shows within the product. And that's definitely what Jeff is. So if you haven't checked out his web, check out their website. I know Ian will put that up here, but he's also been on other podcasts that we've, you know, we've, we've both been on. We've also had their guests on like the bad monkey podcast, soft bad. He's been on there theirs before. So he fits within our listeners. Definitely. And um, I hope we get him on one of these days. And I think you told me recently he's uh, and I, he's joining. He's thirty some years old, and he's going to join the Marine Corps, the Marine or the uh, Navy yeah, Reserve or something like that, which is which is awesome. He's my age, I believe. I, I believe Navy Reserve. That's awesome. Yeah. So he he was saying to me actually how he said he'll go to these events and people will go, uh, and it's the same thing that happens to me. They'll be like, "Oh, where did you serve?" And he's like, "I didn't serve." And I guess he felt like, you know what? Maybe I'm going to do this. I like I personally never felt it, but the same thing has happened to me. And I'm always quick to say, like, 
I never, you know, I'm not going to get accused <laughs> of stolen valor just because I, I work with a bunch of military guys. But no, I mean, for those who don't know, I'm, I, I've never done it. And I think it really takes courage to age of 35 or 36, right around there, um, to say, you know what, I want to serve my country. So great guy. Check them out. Check out their super soft T-shirts, their yeah. hoodies with designs aimed to show your dedication to the life you chose. And they're really just badass designs. And I yeah. like the designs. They're not like over the top ridiculous no, yeah. like some <laughs> veteran brands. They're really cool looking. So uh, yep. coffeegunsfreedom.com. It's as simple as that, guys. Coffeegunsfreedom.com. And this show is sponsored by BioPro Plus. Are you 35 or older? Do you currently feel like you're lacking that primal motivation, drive, and energy you used to? Do you want more out of life and to improve your performance in the gym and in the bedroom? Well, here's the deal. Every year after puberty, your growth hormone decreases, sometimes by 50% by the age of 35, and it only keeps going down from there. It doesn't matter how in shape you are or how good your diet is. It's happening to all of us. That's where BioPro Plus comes in. BioPro Plus is the first of its kind, 100% non-synthetic alternative to prescription HGH growth hormone treatments. It immediately replaces what your body is no longer getting, and it does it naturally, without needles, no side effects or expensive cost of the typical synthetic growth hormone treatment. So if you want to fix your performance in the gym, bedroom, chronic fatigue and pain, or even just how you look in the mirror... You got to check them out, Chris. You've been doing this yeah. for for almost a month now. Yeah, at this point. It, it's it works. I I I I think and and as you go get into it, and if you do are an avid avid fitness buff like me, or you know you, you just like to get out and, and get some fresh air every once in a while, but now you're starting to get into the gym and pick it up. As you get older, you know we can take all the protein in the world, but if we don't have the ability to to process it with testosterone, you got to have that that testosterone in there. And I, I'm not a smart man. Hit up the BioPro website. Ask her, ask them questions like that. How does this stuff work? How does what do I? And, need? and I should throw in they, they work with doctors. They yeah, work with yeah. medical professionals. So it's you know they, we really looked into this. I, I do want to stress that before we brought them on board, we're not going to work with any supplement company we don't stand by. Well, and I'm not going to take supplements that are going to do do damage to my body down the line either. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is is you do need to have the as we turn older 35, you do have to have the ability to process that protein that's going in. So yeah, I was using Bubs Naturals. It's tremendous collagen protein, but I don't think it was, my body was processing it efficiently as it should to get the gains I wanted to. And when I started taking Bio Pro, that's why I say it came full circle. Now my body is actually maximizing the protein that I'm getting like I was when I was your age, Ian, which was awesome. That they, but uh, it's, it's utilizing it. So now I am starting to see the gains. I am starting to see bigger gains than what I was seeing prior to when I was just taking the collagen protein. So guys, I, 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 you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to espouse me. I'll you guys that listen to the show. You know, I'm not that smart, but they all guys at BioPro are. So if you have questions, hit that, go on their website, hit them up, ask specific questions, get to know what's going on. They're going to be honest with you. They're completely transparent. And then make a decision and decide if you want to really even step up to the next level in your life, which is what it's allowed me to do again. So like I said, I ran four miles yesterday and I'm back jumping on the trampoline at 51 doing flips, (laughs) doing flips with my six-year-old where, you know, last year I would have broke my back trying to do it because literally I did throw my back out every time I try to jump on the trampoline. So anyway, guys, I'm going to, you guys find out for yourself, but again, it does work. It's tremendous. I'm a believer in it, even though in the beginning I wasn't full disclosure, but I am now definitely am now. And I am three weeks in and 
I'm seeing the results and I'm feeling the results and, and my, my wife likes it too with the libido. It's, it's excellent. So give it a try guys. Excellent. Definitely good stuff. Great guys over there. Absolutely. Check them out guys. You need to go to bioproteintech.com. Battleline podcast listeners are going to receive $30 off by using the promo code battleline at checkout. That's only while supplies last bioproteintech.com. $30 off by using promo code battleline at checkout. Once again, guys, bioproteintech.com. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. Switch is on, Battleline podcast, and uh, first and foremost, I guess we could say, it was your birthday yesterday. <laughs> uh, prior to that, you were in New Jersey for a speaking yeah, engagement, yeah, that was and awesome. then from what I know, I mean, I normally would have came out and saw you, but you got the hell out of there, got on a plane so you could see your family and kids for the birthday. It, it, it is. It's, it's, it, it's guys, uh, Jersey, I think Jersey gets a bad name. I think because when people think of Jersey, they think of North Jersey. They think of the cities and stuff up there, which, hey, the cities are great too. But man, Jersey has an awesome coast. They're in the Long Branch area. And, and that's where I was at was in the Long Branch area. That is a beautiful town. And it's old. I mean, it, it does have the beach part. So you've got some you know, the new stuff coming up for, for the beach goers, you know, the trendy restaurants and so forth. But when you just even get off the beach to the next road, it's got a beautiful old church. It's got so much personality because it's, it's old Jersey. And I think people are missing out, not going to Jersey and checking, not, not up near the city, not up near going to, to New York, but the other parts, the, the down South Jersey, or even getting over in West, because even when you get out there, it almost looks like the Midwest because there's cornfields, there's trees. Jersey's beautiful. And and I spoke for a company called Earl Asphalt, which is a one. I, I didn't know it at the time, but Earl Asphalt's one of the biggest asphalt companies in New Jersey. They've got the South Jersey locked down and they were amazing. They treat th those kind of companies. I love speaking for. We said the Pledge of Allegiance before we started. That doesn't happen a lot of times anymore. And yeah. <clears throat> you're seeing guys that work with their hands and their backs and they're they're just tough sons of bitches out there and they're coming to see me and I, you know, I'm trying to inspire them and I'm inspired by them because I'm seeing still guys that are just busting their ass, working their asses off. And you also see how that hard work has made that company. Like I said, they're the biggest asphalt company in New Jersey and they're not a union, which is awesome. I love that too. Cause I even talked to them like, Hey, you guys aren't unionized. Well, I guess the mayor's trying or the governor of Jersey's trying to get them unionized, but they're, they're withholding. And they said, yeah, we don't need to be unionized. The only thing that makes it success is work hard work. And I couldn't agree with it more. 
And that's why they are so successful is the people that they have, they take care of them first. The Earl family does. And their Earl brothers that run the company are just patriots. They're, they're awesome. But those guys just work. They, they believe in hard work. And that's something that I think there still is out there, but not as much as it was maybe when I was growing up when it was really like, Hey, you don't quit hard work, hard work. You're going to succeed with hard work. And I still believe that's, that's, that's the correct formula and watching that company and being able to speak for those people going in there and being a, a, a motivational speaker when their startup, uh, startup year comes up, their startup meeting. To me, that's an honor because I like, man, you guys already know the formula. I, I mean, you guys could probably inspire me more so than I can inspire you, but it makes me, it, it makes it, it, on a personal level, it makes me feel proud to have served this country when I go, and that's not a cliche. It makes me proud that I was able to serve this country for people that still espouse to hard work, never quit and have become successful because of that formula. And um, yeah, that's why I went for a run on the beach. I know I did a post after I really felt that way. I was just sitting at the beach with everything going on on Instagram. I did that post and I'm, I'm pretty good. I get on my soapbox on Instagram quite a bit now. Sorry guys. That's just it. But um, I really was sitting up there going, man, Every bullshit that's going on in the world, and I know people, it's not bullshit, but with everything going on in the world today, holy crap, I get to sit on the beach, this beautiful day in New Jersey. Yes, it was cold. It was cold. Yeah, well, it yeah was I was going to say, it's it was cold. cold. That's why you're probably the only one there, yeah, right? Well, no, actually, I, during the off-season, there's nobody on that board. That's what they say. Off-season, there's nobody, yeah. nobody there. Well, I don't know if it's because of the cold, but yeah, I'm sure it is because of the cold. Oh, yeah, cold. It, it is, of course. But, um, but that's what made it so peaceful. And, and almost reflective sitting there looking out those seagulls on those rocks out there and going, my gosh, you know, right now people are running for their lives. There's war. And I know war guys. I, I get war. I understand. Believe me. I, I, you don't have to, I know how awful it is. And for those of y'all that say, hey, let's go fight. Let's go fight. Shut up. No, no, we don't know. I said, well, this is not our fight. We Ukraine's gone guys. It, it's gone. We, what we knew of Ukraine prior to a few weeks ago, that's gone. It's, sorry, that's just how it is. And you have to look at things that way. Sometimes you don't win every fight you're in. It's just, you you, you look back at it. And that's what I was doing on the beach. I was going, you know, I, really, I'm not in this fight, but it's, it's, we have to, as a people, realize that that is gone. And Ukraine, I'm sorry. And, and there's two Ukrainians in the audience that I was speaking to that came up after and talked to me as well. And they, but anyway, I'm looking down and just going, but gosh, dang, why do we take this life here in America for granted? Why are we fighting? over everything when we I don't have to shove my son on a train six-year-old and go hey daddy hopes he's going to be back you get out of here you're going to be safe I don't have to have my six seven-year-old I'll have to give him a gun you know and say hey you're gonna to have to stand by me and fight I get to sit on this beach I get to call my wife on the phone and talk to my six-year-old after school he gets to tell me what he did and I get to enjoy it the greatest country in the world it, it, it just that's why I did that post it was really because of Man, we are we make so many problems here in America that really we don't have in comparison to the rest of the world. But brother, unless you've unless you've really seen war and been in the rest of the, in other parts of the world that are our third world or that are going through turmoil, it, it never really understand that. You never really never know. And I, I can't I can't voice it that people are going to understand. They have to experience it or they don't want to listen. And that's fine. But but it, it was, I, I'm saying this in Jersey because it really was an awesome, awesome couple of days I was there. Just self-reflection and just being in like, wow, this is Jersey, man. This is not what people think Jersey. This is 
freaking beautiful. Yeah, well, I would say, and and I echo everything you're saying. I agree. Um, yeah, Jersey and Long Island. I mean, have some of the greatest yeah. beaches. I mean, oh, granted, it's not it's not Miami. You know, but, it's not but the beaches. Are, the but, but I will. They're beautiful. Yeah. Oh, they're great. I was going to say. I mean, it's funny because moving here to Connecticut, that is the one thing that I'm definitely going to take the drive because what they call beaches here in Connecticut, <laughs> this is not what I'm used to. I'm used <laughs> to beaches on Long Island and Jersey. Those are real beaches. Those are. Although, once again, if you live in South Florida, you live in anywhere in Florida. Those, those are the best. That's uh, you know the, the, the white sands in the western uh, in the Naples area on the western side. Yeah, that is they don't make beaches like that. Or going and going on to Shark Beach in New Smyrna Beach still is beautiful. I'll never go on the water there because it's the shark capital of the world. But you see surfers <laughs> all over. But um, those are but brother, I I you I I, I concur with what you're saying. Jersey beaches still are just they they're beautiful. They're yeah. and when you feel like and when you have it all to yourself. That's even more beautiful out there. But yeah, it was cold. But being from the Midwest, I'm kind of used to the cold anyway. So it really, you can dress, and I dressed for it. So I was able just to really sit out there and in the peace and quiet after speaking, which I always need after speaking. Speaking takes a lot out of me. It does. Um, after when I walk off stage, no matter how well or bad it goes, I, I still am completely drained. But being able to sit out there and just just thank God for 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 making me an American, for allowing me to live in this country, for allowing me to sit on a Jersey beach and look at seagulls and see the water and see how the beautiful the sand is and seeing the boardwalk, how beautiful it was when there was nobody on it. Um, and just really admire, admire, just admire life. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. It was, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. I think if you live on the coasts, you kind of um, take it for granted. If, if you're in middle America, yeah, you're, you're just like, yeah, the weather kind of sucks. I'm not going to go check it out. But I, I understand that too, because when the when the weather even sucks by me, when I was in Port Washington, for example, I, I would love to just go to the dock, watch the sun go down there. I, I love all that reflection time. Personally, I always I'll leave my phone in the car. I'll just try to think. I don't want to be distracted sure. by all that stuff because it takes up you know all those other hours of the day. So yeah. it's nice to not think about all that. Yeah. Um. Hey, I wanted to get in some news here because this article was quite honestly fucking crazy. I mean, yeah. Um, Breitbart is the one who originally broke this, and I'm looking at it on the website because for some reason Breitbart's website they do not make it very printer friendly. But I wanted to go to their site because they're the ones who got the exclusive story. And I mean, before I get into it, it's like congressmen and uh, women getting in involved in affairs and stuff is is like. Par for the court, yeah. right? It's and, not and, that, shot that's sad, either, that's but. sad. That's sad to say because there that there's no integrity in, in in politics. But yeah, you're right. That's like it's that's that's the norm, and nobody gives a shit. I mean, yeah. So, I, and I'll be completely honest, and we might d differentiate on this. I personally don't give a shit. But you know, when it was like the Eric Swalwell thing, uh, I think I'm saying his name right, where he was sleeping with the Chinese spy. All right, that's something to be worried about. And then, but this I feel like is the first of its kind. Um, so I'll get into it basically uh, from Breitbart exclusive. ISIS bride says Texas Congressman Van Taller paid her to keep quiet about affair. Texas Representative Van Taller, Republican, allegedly paid $5,000 in hush money to an ISIS bride he was engaged in in an affair during his time in Congress, Breitbart News has learned. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's a ton of details to get into. But I mean, just simply enough, I, if you're going to get involved in an affair, of all women, you're going to meet the ISIS bride. Uh, nothing about this said red flag to you. You're a congressman. So I do know that this guy is currently in a primary race, and there were several Republicans looking to primary this guy out. 
um, partially for the fact that he was on that January 6th committee. Um, so Trump, for example, was not a fan of his. Uh, I'm sure Trump will have a field day <laughs> <laughs> talking about this. Yeah. Um, but what a crazy news article. I mean, if you're going to get involved in an affair, of all people, uh, someone who married a member of ISIS. Probably not a good. I And you and I, we do differ on, on that. I, I and, and I, guys, if you've read The Range Away or people that know me, and I've been very outspoken about I'll admit it, I, I did. That's one reason I had an affair. That's why me and my wife got divorced when we did that originally got divorced now because she's a saint and she she's and because I, <clears throat> well, I fixed my fucking shit and I admitted things to her. She, I, you know, I, she didn't have to take me back. She did. I, why I'm putting that out there is I don't want people to say that know me like that fucking hypocrite. Well, I'm no, I'm not, <laughs> uh, but I believe if you're going into an office position, you have to be held to the highest levels of integrity. I say that all the time, moral courage and integrity. Those are the two things that, that are the hardest to gain physical courage. Honestly, if you just tell yourself, okay, I'm going into that burning building. Oh, I'm going, okay. I'm going to help people, even though there's bullets going everywhere. Physical courage is a lot easier to attain than moral courage. And if you're going to be in the office of anything, federal government, state government, you need to be held the highest level of integrity, but we don't. And it, it all rolls downhill. If you're not going to be integrity, you're not going to have integrity in that aspect, then you're going to lose integrity in other things. But like, oh, bullshit. No, I've seen it, guys. I've seen it within myself. Where, Yeah, I, I guess I differ because I, I just... I know how politicians are. I don't really hold them to the highest standard and I just want them to vote uh, how, you know, what is in best interest for the country personally. And once again, we're going to differ on it. I don't care what they do in their personal life. I really don't. But if you're getting involved with, once again, a woman who was involved with a member of ISIS, that's when you're talking about a national security risk. Well, that's that's way more than your personal life. But that's life a, that's the thing, though, personal life or not. And if you're having an affair, that's where the integrity comes in, and it's going to lead to other things. Inside, yeah, and, but it wouldn't lead to. I mean, you, you as you said, you had an affair. Did you, did you have an affair with anyone associated with ISIS? I, I'm going to say it, no, no. But if he if he was, <laughs> there's a huge no because if he wasn't going to have an affair, if you had the integrity to not have an affair, it wouldn't have happened. Period. I, that's what I, and also again, it leads to other things. It leads to insider trading by a veteran. I still pisses me that, 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 that is integrity. Yeah, I mean, is a huge, it does lead it's legal though. It is, it is legal what they're doing but, and they're going to take advantage of it until the law actually changes. And why don't we have, uh, you're going to need people who benefit from that, not being a law to vote it into law. And I know you're talking about Dan. Well, then have, you know, have some ver- Dan Crenshaw, I believe. And, and we'd have to look up the article and I know your friend, John Burke covered yeah. it. Um, I believe yeah, Dan Crenshaw made even more than Pelosi in terms of like stock trading. So that's, yeah. but at the same time, he didn't do anything illegal. So. That's well, that's what virtue is. If we would need laws, if people had virtue, laws are made because man can't control them fucking selves. If man could control themselves, then we wouldn't need laws. And, and man made laws to regulate man from men that don't have any virtue anyway and can't even uphold their own laws that they're trying to enforce. Do you see this vicious cycle we're in? It's no wonder yeah. we're in the state that we in with DC because we have no virtue. And until we have virtue within ourselves, we're going to continue to go like this. But bottom line is, yes, I understand that. You understand. I definitely understand that. I was in the middle of that of for four years. Yeah. I was part of that for four years of not having or forgetting my virtue. And it led me down a dark road because that wasn't how I believed we should live our life. And again, that's fine. You and I disagree on that. I just, I just see it. 
it's like a startup drug that a gateway drug that leads to bigger drugs down the road. The more you give in and say, I'm okay. I, 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 it's not a law or, you know, it's just a little, it's just a little violation. It does lead to bigger things down the line. And we've seen, if we can't stop the little stuff, brother, then we're going to keep being in the state we're in with DC, which is having scumbags in office in DC and, um, and sleeping with ISIS. <laughs> well, in terms of this guy, what I would say too is is when I'm talking about like the differentiation between people of an affair and something like this, um, you know, a guy like <laughs> Elliot Spitzer, right, for example, or even Anthony Weiner, they, they're able to go on to do what? I just love it because it's so it's it's such a yeah, it's, it's such it's an irony when you hear for oh so, the name yeah. no I just because when I first the, heard it was so, so ironic so it's just that yeah. juvenile response to hearing Weiner that's I'm sorry guys it's just my I got you response. um that's so awesome. the point though being like they're able to go on to do like commentary work you'll see them on CNN because uh, like at the end of the day they can still talk politics. Um, but I would think once you've you've stepped the line of national security risk, I don't know what this guy will do career wise after this. Uh, there's going to be another Republican who will be, um, you know, win the primary and it will be up for the general election. But, yeah, I don't think you're going to want to be seen on any news station or anything like that. So you will probably have to get a job very much outside of politics after this. And. And there'll probably be a bigger investigation into it, I would think. Well, maybe, and maybe that that's what needs to happen. Hey, we reap what we sow. If you, if you don't believe in God, hey, karma's a motherfucker. You know, payback's a bitch and the stripper name is karma. It's going to come around and find you, whether it's on this earth or not. And so I, I, I still I still believe that if you are in politics, just like if you are a military officer or a non-commissioned officer, you hold yourself to the highest standard. And I understand being able having falling off that horse because I am not perfect. I and everybody that has listened to me knows that I am the first one to admit my my fallible mistakes, but I've also fixed those mistakes. And I don't think we keep people because we're we look away and we're saying eh, it wasn't that big a deal. Eh, my sin wasn't that bad. Sin's a sin's a sin. God doesn't care how big it is. A sin's a sin. Period. We look away. We're going to keep having these issues. And 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 I I, I disagree with you on that that. If he wasn't, if he had some integrity and wasn't going to have an affair, it wouldn't have mattered if it was ISIS or not. It wouldn't have happened. But yeah, if if you are that loose and your dick needs to be needs to be uh, needs to be touched that much, um, I am in agreement with Ian. Though, be smart. I, be smart. I mean, it's such a fun, it just sounds awful. Just choose choose anyone but a member of ISIS. But, but <laughs> if you want to be just right and no work, then don't do it. You know, I mean, yeah, it, I know I, that, that's true. You, you wouldn't be in the position. Um, <laughs> but is, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Because, I mean, I know there's major stuff to get into, but personally, I don't know what else to really add. Um, there's, of course, <clears throat> yeah. the Ukraine situation and there was the State of the Union. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know people get um, very excited over the State of the Union one way or the other. I, I, bro, I, did, I didn't watch. I mean, if you did, you may, maybe you have something with the list because I, I didn't. I didn't watch it in its entirety. I saw parts here and there, but my opinion has always been, and this is really regarding regardless of who the president is, it's hard for me to get excited one way or the other, because for one, these are not written by the president. You know, they're written by a speech writer. They're, you know, what is going to get people excited? What is going to get the base, uh, you know, sure. I, I guess just interested. And, and from what I saw, it was kind of, uh, at least the parts that I saw in the clips, there was definitely a lot of dodging of the mishandling of COVID-19 and, and how bad the economy is right now. And everything was focused on the Ukraine situation. And it's it's kind of easy to do that right now because 
it's a lot easier to give a speech saying we're going to stand with the people of Ukraine um, rather than saying what is really going on in the country. I mean, for example, I do know at one point Biden was saying, you know, we're going to we're going to do something to fix these oil prices. And the truth is, I mean, the reason we're in that predicament is 100 percent decisions made by yeah. Biden to uh, to get rid of the Keystone XL pipeline. So, I mean, the, the blame on that particular issue, 100 percent on him. But I feel like a lot of that was avoided. Um, and then I'll also say on the on the other end of things, the problems uh, with the Republican end of things, I did think it was classless of uh, Boebert and um, what's her name again? The other nut job, you know, to stand up and, and start yelling stuff at Biden. You don't do that during a State of the Union. I don't care who the is that what, yeah, is. Is that what happened? Okay, I didn't. I don't. Yeah, I don't it's, it's classless. You know, and I know they did it because of, they were talking about the flag draped coffins and you know, they were saying that's your fault for what happened in Afghanistan. I understand like the anger about that, but that's not the way to address it. I, I don't think you interrupt the state of the union. For that. Having, having some class, I, I agree with you there. I, I, that's not, there's a time and place for it and doing that in grandstanding and both sides do it. Both, hey guys, both yeah. Democrats and Republicans do that bullshit. Grandstanding, virtue signaling, all this there's a time and, and by the way i said other nut job i meant marjorie taylor green I, who i do yeah and I, I don't i don't i was trying to remember who i don't said even it, know who yeah. the hell they are dude. that's so much i pay, pay attention i'll have to off the google but regardless doing that you you do there's a time and place to do that and if you'd done it prior then we wouldn't have to st- you hadn't you wouldn't have to stand up and yell at the president during a conference making your name known out there you, and we you know, it filters down to instagram too it filters down to all well, the yeah i think media. i think these people want to be yeah. exactly they want to be social media stars they know it's going to get attention and the fact of the matter is um if you want to be a congressman you want to be a senator you want to work in dc and this is completely lost right now your job is to if you're a republican is to work with democrats and you're a democrat your job is to work with republicans that is 100 your job so when these people go into office and go, I didn't get elected to work with Democrats. Horseshit, you, you did. Yeah, exactly. Yes, you did. Yeah, you, and, you should not be there. And, and that does not in any way mean sacrificing your integrity. You could be 100% conservative right wing on every single issue, but you have to be willing to talk to the other side with uh, respectfully. And and, be, and being respectful doesn't mean interrupting a State of the Union speech. Right. And, and look, I'm not going to act like this is the biggest outrage in the world. It ha- I know it happens many times. But I, I don't think it's the it's the right forum to do so. And and guys, Winnie and I, it's both sides that aren't willing to work with each other. And I, I think the best fix for that would be it would never happen. But I would love to see a, a, uh, during the election, a president of a, the presidential election, the winner is president and the runner up is vice president. And for, I think we've spoken and, about and for hey. You guys get in there and fucking work together. Stop being children and get in there and work together because this is for our country, not for you writing books later, not for you and your speaking. And yeah, I, I can talk about that because I am in both of those worlds as well. And I, I've, I, I know how much those guys get paid when they get out to speak. And some of them are shit speakers. They're terrible. They're, they're, they're just, <laughs> they, they're, they're back to doing what they did on the political scene. They're just speaking to like-minded individuals and getting them all spun up which is not good. They're not inspiring anybody. They're just getting the anger pushed up, which makes you and I both know this makes money, makes money, gets followers. Oh, yeah. And, and we got to get away from that. We we've got to figure out a way to, and that's within ourselves looking at each other individual, not me going, Hey, you, Ian, you need to fix yourself. No, look in the mirror and say, okay, 
what do I need to do better to get along with everybody? What do I need to do better to be a better father, husband, brother, so forth? What do I need to do better to, if you're, if you believe in God, to follow the commandments? What am I screwing up on? Then getting on your knees and praying and for asking for forgiveness and then trying to improve yourself every day. And it's a battle every day. It is. You're battling demons every day. I battle vices every day. <laughs> But that's we're on this earth for, bro. That's what we do. It's all right. That's that's what we do. We make ourselves stronger by it. I, and so, I, yeah, I I I I know the country is in. People think it's in a terrible state in comparison to other places. It's not. But we can also do better. And but it's it. You have to. We have to look at ourselves first before we start pointing fingers at everybody else. And I'm not pointing fingers at you all, dude. I'm just must is my experience when I used to point fingers at everybody. And it made a miserable, made me a miserable, miserable life. Made money. The only thing I, but really, is that what it's all about? Is being miserable, making everybody else miserable, so you can have money in your pocket? And it, it, it almost cost me my life, literally and figuratively, until I, yeah. until my, until my angel that saved my ass. Which, man, if you've got that angel out there, find her or find him or whatever. But listen to him because family is really what it's all about. I, I know I'm all over the place, but I'm all over the place. No, I agree with you. I, I wanted to mention one last thing actually, before we get okay. over to Jason, uh, because I, I just, I just thought of this and I printed it out for a reason. If you guys listen to the last episode where we did the emails, we got an, in, we got a uh, email from Michael Moore. Uh, you know, once again, not to be confused with that, Michael, <laughs> listener, listener of the show. And he kept mentioning uh, the acronym RAMF. So he did write, what do you say he wrote Chris, uh, Chris, R-A-M-F, rear area, motherfucker. Oh. At least that's what the Marines called us at Denial. That was uh, Michael with best regards and thank you. That's a, a Mar- Marines. Always Marines got to do their own thing. R-E-M-F is for the army is rear echelon, motherfucker. Marines have to do their own thing because they're Marines. I'm sure it is, brother. If he And if he said it, then it definitely is because he was there. But I always heard RIF. But now we know. Now both of us know. I never knew. Yep. That. I really did. I didn't. No, I didn't either. That when I got the email, I tried to Google. So now we know. Um, before we get to Jason, who's a great guy, excited to have him on. Uh, Fort Scott Munitions manufactures patented match grade ammunition from solid copper and brass spun SCS SBS rod that is designed to tumble upon impact. TUI. It leaves devastating wound channels and soft tissue for faster bleed out and swift incapacitation. In a climate with increasing demand for tactical readiness, Fort Scott Munitions is expanding to deliver unmatched results to the tactical training industry. FSM training offers live fire ranges, modular simulation ranges, 120 silos for repelling and facilities for scenario-based training. In partnership with Battleline Tactical, FSM's training grand opening is launching on May 6th to the 7th via an exclusive Copper Ticket event. The Copper Ticket is an exclusive, all-inclusive two-day carbine and pistol course, close to $4,000 worth of FSM, TUI ammo, lodging, food, and travel, all included, and co-sponsors will also be attending, which include Daniel Defense, Tactical Shit, E3 Firearms Foundation, and Guns of America. Of course, Chris will be there, Guns Out TV, Hank Strange, Jesse Fenley. I'll be there as well. I, I've been really? in touch, so I'm, yeah, I'm going to be oh, coming out. I'm cool. excited yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, but cool. don't expect to learn anything on <laughs> firearms from me. I will be there learning just like you, and I am less experienced than many of you, but I'm excited for it. And yeah, all you got to do is buy ammo on the website, and you're going to get in on that exclusive 
um, copper ticket to possibly be a part of this. And that's the only way to get in. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be fun, guys. It's going to be an experience. Um, you're thinking, oh, what do I want to go to Fort Scott, Kansas for? Fort Scott's a beautiful little town. It, it is still a little slice of Americana that's still here. And Fort Scott doesn't hold anything back. They they really do put the best stuff out there for people to have a great experience. Um, it'll be fun. It'll be, it, we'll, have, we'll have a lot of fun. And, and of course, we'll have some, I know, we have, we'll have pro, I know we're going to have dinner together somewhere in town, which is cool within itself. And, and um, we have to make it an experience because, you know, farms, you can learn farms from anywhere. There's great structures out there. Um, and, you know, I think I can teach you a thing or two and I can learn a thing or two from you, but also the experience of just coming out and hanging out and having a good time and smiling and laughing and meeting everybody and meeting some of these great companies that all you that are in the 2A community have definitely heard of and the people that yeah. rep them. So, um, yeah, definitely come out and you get, yeah. So you get to finally meet Ian for those of y'all listen to the podcast, you get <laughs> finally see what he looks like. So there you go. You come out and have a good time. Yeah, I'm excited to meet Hank Strange. Um, mm, he's a cool mm-hmm. guy. I got to interview him. Uh, so it should be great. The link right there to join or to basically get in on this contest is in the description. And of course, you can use promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off all their merch on the website. Also, bubsnaturals.com. Check them out, guys. The best yeah. collagen protein out there. Single source. It's just one ingredient, raw, grass-fed, cowhide that's ground up. You can put it in any beverage. Yep. Hot beverages work great. And uh, they also have their MCT oil powder, especially for you guys who are keto. The um, They they have the uh, apple cider vinegar gummies, which are great for cleansing the body. Yep. Um, also, a ton of different benefits you could read about on the website. And they give back with each sale to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. We love what they do. It's great for muscle recovery, great for joints. And we see a lot of guys who are listeners of the show who are getting tremendous results. I, and I am, I've gotten tremendous results for it. And, and now that my body can process it efficiently, um, even more so, I, I didn't think it, I'd go to the next level with it. And it already is. I can already see it. I can feel it. I, said, I'm, I'm, I can't believe I'm 51 years old doing flips on a trampoline again. This, I, this is, and, and that and that's attributed to bubs and what they do and, and how well their collagen protein is and their fountain of youth, which my, my wife swears to buy too. And if you've seen my wife, her hair is, I mean, I, I don't know how you can take care of her like that. She, she, and she, now the bubs is just making it. She's like, man, it's growing faster even now. So keep taking it. I love your hair. Keep taking it. So guys, it's tremendous, tremendous stuff. It works. Both Ian and I uh, espouse to that. We back it. And I still take it to this day. I have it in my coffee right now while I'm on the podcast. Uh, tremendous, tremendous stuff. Tremendous company with with a lot of integrity and of course money goes to the Glendora Memorial Foundation proceeds do which says enough as far as their integrity as well so uh, check bubs out best collagen protein out there on the market today by far oh yeah bubsnaturals.com promo code battleline for 20% off bubsnaturals.com promo code battleline let's get over to Jason Rao so joining us for the first time on Battleline Podcast is a guy that I probably go way back with since I think it was like probably 2009-ish or wow. something. To, I, it had to have been, yeah. A hot minute, yeah, that's for sure. It might be a little more. No, I'm sorry, me, it might be like 2013. It's been a long time. I really have to think back. I'm usually better at dates. But, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, no, Jason is awesome. So Jason Rao, lead guitarist and songwriter for Breaking Benjamin. We'll get into the tour. You guys are about to tour, and that's why I thought to – bring you on a major tour really with Seether with uh star set and Lacey strum also doing several major festivals coming up and uh and another big thing actually right now that i should mention you have 
songwriting credits on the very first track of the new Corn album. So I thought that yeah. was really cool wow. too. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Head and I have worked together a lot through the years, uh, and it was kind of one of those organic things. They um, they had pulled from some songs from the past, and that was some stuff that we'd worked on years ago. And I remember just uh, right before the album came out, I just got an email from their manager like, "Oh, by the way." Uh, we used one of your your pieces of the song, whatever. Okay, all right. It was one of those. So that's a that's a happy thing. But yeah, I've worked with those guys and Ed for a long time, known them forever. We've done a lot of tours together. So, uh, uh, mad respect for those guys always. Yeah, I mean, I would I would be stoked on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I been be a blast. Stoked on it. That's it's cool to see. That's cool. That's yeah. killer, bro. I, I don't even know he, when he, when Ian sent me. Ian, I, I, I'm oblivious to the podcast as far as Ian just telling me we're coming on at this time. But when he saw, I, I saw your name on there. I'm like, geez, are you kidding me? We're having breaking oh, Jason awesome, from Breaking Bad. You know, I, and, and we'll get into it because we have a lot of guys from special operations in the military community that listen to the show. But no, I mean, yeah. it was like you know when we had Silvera on and we had um, mm-hmm. uh, when we had uh, Jimmy Allen on. Your guys' yep. music, and I'm going to say it again, and people are going to roll their eyes at me right now. The music that you guys played is what kept us in the fight a lot downrange. I mean, I've known Breaking Benjamin. I used to listen to Red when I was in Yemen. And I, and I say that oh, yeah. no, I, Red's awesome. I mean, you know, they're one of the Christian groups that don't come across as Christian unless you – I like, you know, the – but yeah. but they are. And they, you guys in Skillet, you guys in Skillet, I got you – I mean – rocket but yeah but you real you breaking benjamin especially it, 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 and i get chills thinking about it. it's just like you're done with an op you put the music on and you feel like you're back home and it meant a lot to I so when i see you i was like holy shit we're getting the guy from breaking are you kidding me the lead guitarist i was like ian no way that's man. sick man that that means a lot because i, I come from and ian kind of knows this about me but i come from a family of just a career military wow, i didn't know that and i'm the first yeah my first first in my family not to be so um I kind of had like carried a little bit of guilt with that. Oh, no, no. no. Uh, and like, and supporting, so connecting in that sort of way, you know, even on the, like, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be in a first responder or some capacity or something. That, that's the only thing I ever, else I really wanted to do. Um, but to still have like the connection with the community there and to be able to support in that way, I, I means a lot to me. I appreciate you saying that because that doesn't, you know, go, go unnoticed. That, that does. Uh, well, and, and you do as a, you, and you are serving because that's after a bad day what gets you back your mindset or before going out on off i remember getting in the back of suburbans uh, when we first started going into baghdad as a contractor when i was in blackwater mm-hmm. and we had these suburbans that couldn't stop shit but we thought they could but they, we come to realize now <laughs> they couldn't stop a pellet gun but but getting <laughs> just getting your mind and getting motivated like going i play football and call same thing turn on the music and yep. turn it on Absolutely. turn it on and having the playlist there of me and i were just talking about you having breaking benjamin or seether uh kill switch engage mm-hmm. slipknot ha- having oh, yeah. corn on and, and and throwing in some lincoln park because you gotta get some pod and some lincoln park some rock rap in there oh yeah and just all right fuck let's go yeah <laughs> and um that's awesome so it really did you 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 rock bands especially the ones that, that do support us. We know who did, we knew who they are. Like, like groups, mm-hmm. like, like breaking Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um, they really do serve because they get our minds right before we go out the gate. So we're not that it's fear. It's just, okay. Adrenaline, let's get it going, get it in the right mm-hmm. spot. All right. Mindset. And then when we come back, whether it's yeah. a, you know, you're listening to something that's slow, listening to a, a, a like I grew up in the eighties. What did you call me? Help me out with my lingo. Where this, the slow rock, the rock ballads, I grew up in the eighties, listening to oh, stuff yeah. slow, 
the power, the power balance. It's getting back in just yeah. I'm right there with you. I'm an A's kid too. So. I love but, um, yeah. I, but that being said, you know, this, I do have a segue here. I usually, Jason, I'm, I'm, I like talking to because I'm kind of starstruck <laughs> with guys like yourself. Um, oh, no. um but well, likewise, uh, man, I appreciate it. Um, tell us, yeah, yeah, I guess the beginning. So, and, and you kind of already did, but, but, you know, your military, your, your family's military and, and the decision of why you went, to the, why you started playing guitar and you're, I shouldn't say playing guitar, why you started be fucking killing it on the guitar. But you know, what, what was the deal and how was that upgrading with your family being in the military and so mm-hmm. forth? I, a lot of our young listeners and I want to know, I want to know, screw the young listeners. I want to know. Um, um, <laughs> well, I appreciate what, that. The, the wild thing. So I think it's, uh, it's just one of those traits uh, for better or worse. You know, I think we have this, like I, I have three daughters and I can already see them as they're getting older. My oldest is 13, but I can see their little personality traits and just kind of, I've got a creative, I've got a type A, I've got a, a leader, you know, uh, and then I got my just stubborn honorary one. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, sometimes those cross back and forth. But uh, so for me, like I started playing guitar when I was about nine or 10, something like that. Um, never really plugged into like the social scene, um, like uh, at school or growing up or high school, never really chased that game too much. And um, music was just kind of my outlet. So I would spend more time, playing and listening and trying to reproduce what I was hearing um, than being out and being social sometimes, you know, it doesn't mean I was a hundred percent an inside kid. You know, I, I connected with other musicians and stuff too, but uh, with the family, um, they were so supportive of things. And I think I can fall back on them because th- their um, support was always, if I wanted to be in ballet, they would have supported me. If I wanted mm-hmm. to be a carpenter, they would have supported me. But they were able to kind of see the same things I really want to look out for my kids that at a young age, like, wow, he, he has some sort of passion. We don't know how this materializes. We don't know, you know, what's going to come of this. We don't because there's being in a band and being a songwriter or a producer, there's no uh, that's not, there's no degree platform. There's no, yeah. you know, it, it, there, there's not these logical uh, integrated steps that as long as you're doing this, they can get here and you can do this and get here. I mean, there's kids that are. You know, the Post Malone story that he was pretty young when he got signed, man. I mean, he had had a couple of years prior to that, but then he got it and got that perfect team and just took off. That's not everybody's story, you know. Um, for me, I, I like to think that I, I made my calculated decisions over the last, geez, 22 years now. So uh, of just like small steps, like you said, yeah. started and, and songwriting started that w- was always in studio, started with Red, went back to studios, the Breaking Ben started picking up again. Um, and so, with the, what's been cool to see is the military side of my family really just as it's in the same connection that you have uh, being able to feel connected to them in that way, even though I'm, I'm not nowhere near the same sort of uh, career trajectory that they are. Uh, my uncle who, who I'm really close with, he's one of the people I'm closest with as far as my extended family goes, uh, retired full bird with wow. the air force. Wow. Um, you know, dad was in the Navy Grandpa's in the Navy, uh, all over the place. Uncles, um, two Air Force, two Army. Wow. Um, so it, it's it it was one of those those kinds of things. And then um, just being, I, I grew up until I was about fifteen, uh, north of Chicago. Which honestly, you really couldn't pay me to live back there. I love it, but there's <laughs> there's some things that just come with it, and especially with you know first responder culture and um, even military culture that are it's difficult in some of those areas. And we, we've seen that with our shows uh, recently uh, coming back from COVID, you know, um, 
you know, we'll, we'll go out on the road with bands like Five Finger Death Punch, sure. which is huge supporter of the military. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and I even talked to some of those guys just about how certain things have changed. You know, you've got the George Floyd thing. You've got coming out uh, of this 20-year war, how we withdrew from Afghanistan. Yeah. There's a lot of polarizing things that are happening. And so, you know, we'll have songs that we'll dedicate to soldiers or dedicate to first responders. And we've had just people just flip us off and just walk right out. Wow. <laughs> Sorry to offend you. Homie. Wow. There's the dog. Yeah. I don't, See you know, it, it really is this weird polarizing kind of thing. And so, again, back to the family thing, to have that kind of respect and that backbone that goes, okay, that's fine. I'm not trying to shove that on yeah. you. I don't hate you for disagreeing where I'm coming from, but this is my story. Yeah. You know, this is where my history is. So, that's uh, all, that's yeah. That's awesome, I, man. And you can and you yeah. can flip them back off for me if you want to. That's fine. It's, it's hey, this I, is this I, is from Tano. This is from Tano. Eat shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling they're, you. They're you know I what got- I wanted to throw out there though. So what Chris was saying before, how how you were saying like Breaking Benjamin and and your former band Red is like what got you through deployments. The interesting thing I know about Jason and kind of like how we got to know each other is when you're on the tour bus, when you're on a plane out there touring, the thing that kind of like gets you through is reading military memoirs, listening Absolutely. to military podcasts. Yeah. It kind of goes full circle there. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, the black rifle guys, I know them really well. Uh, Mike Ritland is somebody that I've met through, uh, you know, is a team guy and kept in touch with. And um, anybody from like photographers to that have transitioned into that, some of them have transitioned into acting, some of them have transitioned into like consulting roles. Like, um, and then you've got your guys that are either still contracting or they have their own consulting type thing on the security front. A lot of the security that we pull from, you know, are some are special operations guys, uh, tier one guys, or um, or at least we kind of have a network that we can reach out to. The guy, uh, security guy, we we um, carry with us uh, that has been with us for years. Has, he, he never actually served, but again, is so so connected with the community. His job is basically to um, manage and delegate in a way so that nothing happens, and he doesn't have to do anything. Like if he's got to choke somebody out, then he didn't do his job. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So. Um, advancing shows, getting security teams there, the dogs, that kind of stuff. Um, the, the, everything seems to always be so interconnected. Uh, and I think some musicians don't necessarily see that, you know, but um, the two communities do go well uh, no, uh, together. I think right. quite a no, bit. Right. I, and do, doing executive protection mm-hmm. on my downtime when I used to, and and there is a there is a uh, a scene, but don't be seen mentality with security when we're, you're doing executive protection, mm-hmm. corporate security. You, and, and, you know, what I would teach guys to, or when I got taught by guys that were a lot more experienced than I when I first started was, you know, we still are a face of whoever we're, whoever we're protecting. So if we're an asshole, it's not going to be their security as an asshole. It's breaking Benjamin's yes. an asshole. It's, and so absolutely it does. A lot of those guys, especially your, the, the guy that has your security, he may not have been in the military, but he's had so much experience that you need that yes. guy. So when you get a knuckle dragger coming in, that's been kicking in doors for years. It's like, Hey man, that's yeah. not what we're doing here. You, you. Absolutely. Yeah. He has kind of a security briefing, the same sort of uh, thing that you're kind of talking about because it, there is obviously diplomacy first yeah. in any of those situations, even down to, cause you're dealing with drunk people or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, people getting in fights, small things like that. We haven't had any too, too many. Uh, we had some stalker issues and some things that they had to go out. Well, look with. at you, man. You're fucking sexy. Even with your black, even with your black. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Just delusional people. That's all. Uh, but, uh, and people that need glasses. <laughs> but they, they, I think it's just that thing that uh, how you treat one another, regardless of where you come from, what you believe in, you know, 
how you vote, which seems to be such a big deal. I, like, I really don't care. Like, I mean, I'm going to treat everybody with the same amount of respect. And the, the people that don't are the ones – there's just a – there's a finite timeline there, and you can't keep that up. You're right. You know, there's a there's a time and place to burn a bridge, I think. But to me, it kind of comes down to like something involved with my family that crossed the yeah. line there, and protecting those who can't be protected, which are my kids. Okay, we're going to have a little space here. But other than that, like I, I'm confident enough in myself and have enough life. I'm in my forties, like. I'm fine. Yeah. Hashing out or being like, all right, brother, you win. Well, sorry. Well, fi- and, and, fi- yeah, sorry and fighting that. hurts. Getting punched hurts. Getting stabbed hurts. Yep. Getting shot hurts. Well, yeah. hey, I, I, let's, the golden rule. Hey, man, let's listen to the great philosopher, Patrick Swayze. He's one of my favorite philosophers. <laughs> be nice until it's time to not be nice. That is still the yeah. best movie quote, I think. But it, it is a really, especially if you're insecure yeah. or you're in anything in life. Hey, man, I don't want no problems. Let's, can we get along? Can we at least mm-hmm. get along? Let's, let's, and then, then you have to flip the light switch. You, that, that's what we talk about. The switch is on. That's where we get that from. It's it's from us. Sure. Down, I remember being downrange is that you still had to be diplomatic. The people in Iraq, Afghanistan, when it was Yemen, regardless, I don't need to name drop all of it, but mm-hmm. it, they just wanted people to be nice and respect them. And they understood respect. Yep. They understood. And if you're respectful, then they were respectful back. And if they weren't, you needed that's to flip right. the switch. Then the, the light switch came on and you muzzle thumped them that's in it. the head. And then when it was done, you turned it back off because let's, okay, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want you to hurt me, but it's that same mindset. And it's, it's cool that you have that same mindset. Did that come from your military and you think it was ingrained in you growing uh, up or do you think it came from when you're on the road and you just saw so many drugs, like, God, I can't be mad at everybody. I mean, what, what? Yeah, I, I think it's probably a combination. My, so my, my kids and my family, it's a yes or no. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, and, and uh, Primarily because, you know, so if I'm using, if I'm a communicator and I use music to communicate, if it's whether if it's a riff or a lyric or something, like how I want that to come across, there's artist integrity, but there's also like responsibility to the end user there. How, is that, how are they going to interpret that, you know? For example, like if I did a ballad, I'm not going to put a big breakdown in the middle per se, because I'm going to limit the audience to that. Like, what's my goal here getting to that point? If I'm, if I'm going to have, do a song with uh, Kesha, you might not want to have a huge scream in it. You know what I mean? Like those kinds of things, like knowing your lanes, yeah. time and place, yeah. and who you're aiming for. So for my kids, I want them to be the most successful they can be. What first comes, and I'm a guy that like, you know, I have all the job stopper tattoos, the hands, the neck, and all that stuff, and uh, dyed hair most of the time. And so when I meet people, there's a certain assumption that, that I'm a, of a certain ilk. But okay, thank you so much, ma'am. I appreciate that. Completely diffuses that. And then now they even respect me yeah. more. They're like, oh, because we didn't expect that. And if you can do that with, with my packaging, with my pretty little girls, and they can have that respect or whatever, whether it be a job interview, whether it be friendship, whether it be standing up for somebody, whether it be a teacher, um, that level of respect, I think, goes can get you much further than oh, yeah. how pretty you are in society, how successful you are, and how you flaunt your riches, any of those things. I think those principles go a long, long way. And the people that I most respect that are way more successful successful than me still hold those as pretty important right. values. It's a golden rule. And I know being mm-hmm. your father being in the military and your family, I don't know if it is anymore. I'm sure, I'm hoping it is. I'm sure it is. But back then, even, even growing up, but then going to the military, the golden rule was always that way. You know, treat others as you'd mm-hmm. like to be treated. That's that's just that's how you should. And that's how we we've kind of forgotten that a little bit. I, I really believe that. I think so. I, I think so. Yeah. And I think we've gotten a little soft in, in certain areas. 
And, and by doing acting that way and having that pretense of respect, I, I think that's sometimes. It, it, well, I know it like in certain areas of the country we, we travel, which and I know you guys travel a ton too, but sometimes that can be viewed as like a, a meekness or a weakness. And it's quite the opposite, yeah, actually. Yeah. You know, um, you see it for, uh, with body cams all the time, like these, you know, Karens or whatever, just bitching <laughs> out these officers. I'm sorry I feel that way, man. I, I'm, you know, we all have our fuse, but it's interesting that that's an acceptable thing. Yeah. Like I grew up in a world where if you get pulled over, that, Cars off, keys of the ignition, window down, hands of steering wheel, license in your hand. Yeah. It's on you. Like it, it wasn't, I can't imagine pulling my phone. What, you're going to shoot me? You're going to sh- I can't imagine that. And now culture changes. We, I, I get it. But, but, it's, uh, but it's it shouldn't be acceptable. It shouldn't be acceptable, though. And I, and I, oh, at all. And that's, that's, that's wild. the dang promise is that I think we yeah. have kind of accepted. I, I do see it coming back the other way. I, I do. I, I, I think, I think it think reached so the pinnacle of, all right. Now people are just like, we're tired of this shit. We're done. Can, can we come back yeah. to the yes, sirs and yes, ma'ams and no, sir, you know, chivalry and the, the sure. old normal can we, uh, with a little bit of the new normal throwing in whatever those are. I'm just throwing those catchphrases yeah. out there. I don't even know what they mean, brother. Sorry about it. But, uh, but, <laughs> you're good. Well, it takes nuance, yeah. right? On all things. It, it, it there, there's, there's such thing as too far this way. And there's such a thing yes. as too yeah. far yeah. left or too far yeah. right. You yeah. know, it's the nuances in the middle. You can't, it's, go one way or, or the other and you can't do that with people either or relationships or business partnerships you know i see it a lot in business you know because everything could be some co- so competitive and cutthroat and the irony is is i can speak for the music industry that you know a lot of these a and r guys um you know they're fighting for their lives because they may not be there in two years and maybe they'll get a job somewhere else or maybe that label downsize or maybe they'll you know everybody it's, it, it can be really cutthroat um, but being a pleasure to work with and, and having integrity, it, those things go a long way. So that label does downsize. Well, who's going to be the first person that they call? And it may not be the guy that hired band X because he's such a pain in the ass to deal with. It's like, it's not even worth it, you know? Um, and so it, it doesn't, that, I mean, that's how we treat our crew and our staff. Um, you got a bad attitude or something like you're out. We, we can't have that. We got to go for out for two and a half months at a time on the road and oh, yeah. live together in these tiny boxes on buses. Like one guy's bad day will bring yeah. the whole camp down. Yep. You know, yeah, it, that's it, true. That And yeah. I've seen it just from guys that I know in other bands. I've seen the same type of thing. I kind of wanted to get into that with the music with yeah. you, with what's going on. I mean, the past two years, I know for some of the like, I guess you'd say the mid-level bands, it really hit them hard to not tour for two years um, to not be able to just, I mean, that's really their bread and butter. We know it right now with streaming, it's just mm-hmm. not how people are getting paid. Um, you know, everybody was outraged on Spotify with the whole Joe Rogan thing. And it's like, what they should really be outraged <laughs> about is that you guys get paid a fraction of a penny oh, yeah, for, yeah, for you know, however many spins of a song that you wrote. Um, so I'm just wondering how have you guys dealt with it? Because it's like, you're back on the road, but you're playing arenas. You're going to be playing arenas mm-hmm. in a couple of months. Yeah, so it's an interesting time, because, and it's obviously never happened in history, but uh, typically after years and decades of everybody touring, you kind of get into a little bit of a, a schedule. So most bands will go a year, year and a half, maybe two on an album cycle, then go back to studio and start their, their touring cycle again. So that um, to promote the new album. So that allowed for enough air in there, if you will, to kind of keep – uh, um, desire to come back to shows, keep a, a taste for it there, but also like, appetite, I guess, uh, but also allow enough room for other bands to fit in their schedules. So coming off of, you know, 
two years off, the biggest issue is finding places to play, finding buses, finding production, because everyone's all genres, everything are going at the same time. You know, the summer, we used to have the summer festival season and you got the spring and then maybe you got a winter tour and maybe call it, you know, um, yeah, kind of those these three or four little chapters in the year. Now it's just like we got a tour. Let's get out there. I don't care if it's festival. I don't want to, whatever. So, you know, I know the arena here. I live in Nashville. Um, Bridgestone. Uh, it's one of the more popular arenas. It's probably one of the top five in the country for music. Um, uh, not necessarily because of Music City, but because of the infrastructure and just because uh, it, it's it's a good uh, a test run and litmus for everything else. It just happened to work that way. So, um, but to get in there back in the day you would trade well your booking agent would look at your schedule and look at all these things and it's their job to piece together the routing this day and this day we did better on this market on a thursday instead of a friday all the factors and algorithms that they have now they used to trade days i'll trade you south carolina for nashville because it works both my routing sure let's do that now they're trading holds i'm number 13 for nashville on saturday i'll trade you that for two twos in b markets which would be smaller cities wow and then you get to that point, try to barter those. And so the demand is crazy. Um, but from both sides, that's the first time this has happened. So you have the audience that be like, I just want to go to a freaking show. And some people talk about, you know, the economy and uh, inflation and things. We're maybe heading towards a recession. Who knows? Uh, but the entertainment industry as a whole is pretty much historically within maybe five points one way or the other, uh, pretty recession proof. For whatever reason, you know, we may not be able to pay our electric bill, but people still go to shows. They just do. It, it's always yeah. been the case. You know, in 07 and everything went crashed, same thing. We didn't see a, a budge. You know, gas prices went through the roof and everything, but we were still out there doing the same numbers, if not better. So the ticket sales are there. The demand is there. And then, on the, like I said, the other side, the band desire is there. We've all been sitting our ass for so long, like, get us out of here. Our girlfriends and wives are thinking, <laughs> don't do when are you going to go? You got to go somewhere. I'm sick of this, you know? So uh, it, it's a really cool time. Um, the, uh, you know, there's different expenses now with, with gas going up, obviously, sure. with diesel's crazy. Um, you know, we, we travel the, with, we're fortunate enough to travel with more than one vehicle. And so that stuff adds up when you start adding multiples to things. And your budgets you're trying to uh you know you go by and uh, you got these big promoter promoters in as you know uh live nation ag those kinds of things that are balancing their books out as well you know they were losing millions and millions of dollars a day during quarantine you know um and you, that's why you got uh, was it live nation where they sell half or 500 million or something like that during the covid to like some saudis like it's, uh, you know, don't quote me on those numbers, but it, it, there are just different things happening. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an exciting time too. And so, like you said, that mid-level band, um, that, uh, is more on the, for lack of a better term, kind of like a paycheck to paycheck kind of thing. No, there's, yeah, no, salaries, there's many, of you know, them. there's so many of them. I mean, we, so we know many. some of them. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And we're friends with some of them. And, and that's the thing. It, it's, uh, it was that, that was hard to sustain. Um, that was hard to, um, with your staff, you know, when we tour, we've got 40, 41 people that are on the road wow. with us at times, wow. you know, um, and that's a thing. But, you know, when you're now you're talking about two years worth of retainers or insurance or whatever, that, that's pretty tough um, for a company that doesn't have anything coming in on the tour. Because this is just our touring business, remember. So, you know, you, you, we have to take care of these guys or we want to take care of these guys in a way that 
keeps them with us and we know we appreciate them because they've been with us forever. But at the same time, there's not a dollar going in that account, you know? Uh, so that was tough. That was really hard for a lot of bands. And, um, um, I, I think it's not uncommon for some bands to take time off, take hiatus, you know? Um, but that was kind of a, a force of the hand. So I'm going to, it's interesting to see how it's impacted things creatively, how it's, uh, even in the rock world, how it's, um, impacted, um, uh, the exposure to things because, you know, everybody, all they had was streaming, all they had was YouTube or whatever. So those numbers are up, exposure's up more so than radio could have ever done. I mean, there are some, some fringe benefits that we, we didn't see happening. Uh, you know, if we can, you know, market on that and keep things going, I, I think that can be a good thing. And, you know, glass half full coming out of this. That's a way to look at it. Stay positive. Uh, hey, speaking, and you guys talking about the, the middle bands, I, I want your, your, your thought when you were coming up, I, and I always wonder, because I, I honestly, I, I think sometimes I enjoyed my life more when I was living in a hundred dollar a month apartment. No question. How, no question. How, how was that with you coming up? And, and I, yeah, I just, you have any stories? I'd like to hear stories about you work, you yeah, working yeah. to get to the point you are now. And, and cause I know a lot of guys out there are, they're going through men and women we, guys is a gender neutral term on our show. Just so you, yeah, just listen. Sure. So all you guys, yeah. all you, how the, how guys seem to be going through a hard time, but like enjoy it. Cause you look back at it now and I do going like, man, that was awesome where I lived. I literally had a 10 by 10 apartment, a hundred dollars. And I got, yep. I actually took money off rent by sweeping up the sidewalks. You know, for Yep. It's funny you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. I, Cause when we started, I, 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 stripped everything down. I got some like uh, section eight housing. I was able to rent for like 200 something bucks a month <laughs> and uh, lived in the projects and it, whatever I did my thing because I was working in studios at the time, but not enough to really make a, a decent living. And then when you're talking about launching a band and well, I got to take off for a month cause I got to go do this thing. Like, you know, not everybody's super flexible with that, but, but working in studios still kept me plugged into to some of the scene. So I, I remember, uh, our first full year of touring, I think I made 700 bucks that month that year. Wow. And everything we did, we poured back into it. So we were playing like, I remember one of our first, the long tours we did with was with seven dust. And, and, and this was red. This was this red? Yeah, this is with red. So this was Oh okay. five, maybe Oh six. Wow. And, um, we like two, we were all in a van, no crew, you know? Um, and they would do 12, 13 days in a row, which, us, we do two now. They're like, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> I mean, because they're just such long days, you know. Um, your schedule's all jacked, you know. It, it, it's it's bizarre. So <laughs> you just don't recover. And most people don't realize that your voice is a muscle, yeah. you know. And it, it's like you can't go out there working out your biceps every, day, every yeah. freaking day. And then as you start to fatigue, you know, you're supposed to be performing at this high level. There's expectation yeah. there. And it's, if you fall short, you're screwed. So you have to put build those anyway. Uh, so back in the day, we didn't have that luxury. So we're doing thirteen on, driving ourselves overnight, seven a.m. radio show with an acoustic thing straight to the venue for loadout. Maybe take a nap in the van or something. So we were only getting four or five hours of sleep sometimes, taking shifts driving. And then if we were lucky enough to get a hotel room because we didn't have enough money, we'd sweep the venue. We'd say, "Is there any way, you know, can you throw us a crash pad, or whatever? We'll help clean up. We'll do bottle service. We'll do. We would work. Try to ask if they could do stuff after shows." you know, help clean up. Um, but when I was living in my apartment, that's what I was going to say that, um, all I, that's all I knew. It's all, I didn't have a very good, like slow drive in anything. For, and it's throughout my life. It's been for better or worse for sure. 
but I, I'm, I'm a perfectionist and like I'm driven and it, I didn't understand. Well, like, well, why are you going out? No, I got I got to work on this thing. Like I, it just didn't, it didn't, that part came easy to me and it, but it was difficult to turn off and it made it difficult for me initially to relate with a lot of people sure. because I didn't understand why they weren't that way. And they resented me for being that way and vice versa, you know, it, and that was the, like the immature aspect of it. But, you know, you do that hustle. I mean, I think the first four or five years of touring from my touring income, I, I made, uh, I don't know, $9,000, something like wow. that. I mean, it was just nothing. It was just about building and building. We were doing 200 plus shows a year out 250 days. So we were hustling and, and trying to get this thing moving and, and trying to just whatever. And, and that rock star side of things, you're, you're not, yeah, you're, you're yeah. Not it, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we, dude, I remember we, we would jump into like, um, uh, we'd try to find a hotel with an outdoor pool and sneak in at night and bathe in the pool or do our, <laughs> just anything. They find a, a hose at a gas station and rinse some clothes. Like, it, we, yeah, we got, you get pretty, uh, pretty resourceful, but, um, that, that kind of thing and that, that keep going it, it, attitude, you know, yeah. it, it's not about when it does come easy to people. Um, it, it, I think it's really, it, it can be a disadvantage sure. because I mean, well, look at all, look at all these American idol winners. We only, oh, other gosh, than yeah. like Kelly Clarkson or, you know, yep. uh, one or two others, we don't really Here know their names maybe. because they didn't have to struggle the same way you did to get oh, to where no. you wanted. You, you know what I'm wondering though? Yeah. Like at that point, cause you're telling these stories when you got the call from breaking Benjamin, who was mm -hmm. already an established band, who was already playing major venues. Was it like, this is a godsend. This is what I've been waiting for my whole career. <laughs> Ironically enough. No. So <laughs> I, okay. I had started writing, Ben and I had started writing together uh, in like 2007, maybe. Um, and we had done three or four songs that ended up on the album that they put out at the time. And, uh, I came off the road for a little bit just because of like my, my two oldest now, but my young, uh, um, my middle child was, was a newborn at the time. And I was just like, dude, I, I'm, my, my two year old, I've missed so much, you know, um, you know, gone more than some of my military friends, you know? Um, like I said, we were gone 250 days a year and I was, I was just kind of, I, I was getting offers to write and work with other bands, Breaking Ben being one of them, Corn being one of them. And, and like, I was getting that side of an income stream, which was surpassing my, my touring income. And it just made sense at the time with family. I, I couldn't do both. I was getting so burnt out. So I came home and plugged into that. And I was, I just said, I'm done. I don't want to tour. Don't want to be in a band. I don't like the artist thing. I don't like some of the pretentious things that wow. come with that or expectations. Um, that wasn't natural to me. That was being in a more successful intellectually communicating with other people was, a, it was an exercise and, it, and that was a process and something I had to learn. It was not something that just, I was super comfortable with. So um, Ben had called about starting things back up and, cause he had taken a couple years off, started back up. And I was like, yeah, man, I just don't want to tour. Sorry. And because I, I just, I, I don't know, I just didn't feel like it was right. And about nine months later, he called again. And I said, no, <laughs> I just, I'm just not feeling it. You know, he's like, you want to come out? We're going to try some things out and do some rehearsals. I was like, I don't know, man. And I was swamped at the time with studio stuff and writing. I couldn't complain. Like, no, man, I'm good. I knew I'd have to put all that on hold. And then finally, 
uh, Aaron, who's we call him Dickie, is our uh, bass player, was with Ben, and he had already kind of made a commitment to to join. And and he's like, well, you got to call Jason. You got to call Jason because he was the band at the time that had opened up for Red a Bunch. And we had kind of hit it off. And he's like, Ben, ben just said, I know he doesn't want to do it. He, he doesn't want whatever. He's like, please, just for me. And so they got like on a group call with me or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I'll come out and we'll, we'll it wasn't like they were twisting my hand. It just seemed like the time was right. You know, um, I was married at the time. I looked at my wife and even she was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe just try it out kind of thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's see what happens. And that's when we started. That was like 13, I think, something like that, when we started. Get back. So that makes sense. That's when I met you because I met you when you were pre it was one of your earlier shows with the band. Okay, that's it. Yeah. It would yeah. have been that right in that window. That's right. So um yeah, I, I think that that when that call came, right? Um it was a pretty natural progression. It, it wasn't um I was fortunate enough to have history with Ben. I was fortunate enough to know the other guys involved, all but Rowan, all but one I had worked with in the past in some capacity. Um, I knew management, I knew the team a little bit, you know, and, uh, from my work in the studio space, again, um, I think that, you know, being diversified in that way, that, that helped me a lot too, because we were building a studio up in Jersey at the time and, uh, getting ready to write and record what would have been the new album then. And my knowledge there helped us roll into things. Again, I was bringing value to the table. It was more so than like, we need a guitar player, you know? Um, and so I, I relied on that a lot. And that's something I still keep a big, um, pulse on when it comes to like the creative process and something I really enjoy. But, uh, all those things throughout, like I said, that 22 year trajectory and, and not getting the, the ginormous advance right at the beginning and, and everything handed to you. Most of those guys don't last too long. Yeah. Um, but I've been able to pick up other skills and, and being able to work on, Tons of areas of the industry. I mean, all over the place from helping out with the management side, consulting side, I'm familiar with the booking side and um, it just, this experience there. But, it, you know, it, a lot of, um, as you know, in business too, like I think a lot of startups, they, they will, uh, they'll get these investors and they'll over, be over invested. Like that, that there, there's no, with that, the, the, the being, accessible to risk, I guess is what I'm saying. They're too comfortable. They're too padded. They're not willing to take risks because you got nothing. Uh, yeah. I already have nothing. I can't <laughs> yeah, afford not to, to, I have, I, well, I can't afford not to lose because I need something to take to the next level. If you've got this cushion of fallback, I'm like, well, I don't know. I've got this obligation here. I've got this obligation to investors. I got whatever, but let's see how this yeah. pans out. And then boom, in a competitive industry, somebody else jumped on it and or was being innovative in a way that you weren't was putting in time that you didn't because you had money and you were out buying a new car or those kinds of things. Um, you were worried about your office space and how it looked rather than Jeff Bezos sitting in an apartment, you know, Mm -hmm. well, you know, those kinds of things they all come from that. They don't come from typically, um, a shark tank type scenario. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that's a, an invaluable lesson. And just as you know, like the military, th- there's a hierarchy there for, for a well, reason. You don't come in and be, be uh, gifted, you know, uh, a rank. Never. Like you got to start. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's adversity. So, you have to learn from adversity. And adversity teaches you how to be stronger. 100%. Teaches you how not to make the same mistakes again. But it also 
and I see that and even in my life, it prepares you for a bigger adversity that's going to come down the line, a bigger obstacle yeah. and, and not being yeah. willing to go through that adversity. The special operations community forces you to go through that. That's what it is. It, if you ask anybody yeah. within whether Ranger SEALs, PJ, so forth, every one of us has failed at something. And and we have the saying, yeah, you know, and it, sometimes we're set up for failure. There's no, po- there's some of these tasks, there's no possible way we're going to pass them. None. I had an experience it, it, within Ranger indoctrination program for heading down. Uh, and long story short, I actually wrote about it, I believe, in the Ranger way. But uh, that's a cheap marketing mm. ploy for my book. Sorry about that. But I wrote about how, you know, just doing a putting our A bags after airborne school in a truck and then saying, oh, wrong truck. We met that one right behind you. Oh, shit. They did. They, they were trying to get us to fail because they knew it was unhumanly possible to to get everything loaded up in this time span. They, they wanted us to. But that was supposed to be like that. They knew it. And I, at the yeah. time I did. And I'm like, this is fucked up. There's no way we can do this. Well, they yeah. want you to think like that because when you're finally in a situation where like uh, nobody's coming to help you and you're 2000 miles away from home and people are shooting at you, you're not, fuck, this is fucked up. There's no way we can beat this. Yeah. Now it's like, fuck this. We're going to, we're going to figure this out. We're going to win this fight. And you have to go, you're right. You yeah. have to go through that adversity. Actually, uh, what was, the, that goes into a question I just formulated because that's how I work. I'm not that smart of a guy. It just things come to me. But, <laughs> but um, what was your biggest failure? What was your biggest adversity that lit the fire in you and said, you know what? And I'm, I'm sure you've had quite a few, but uh-huh. is there one that sticks yeah. out that maybe even our listeners like, you know what, that, geez, that, that sounded badass and he just got through it. I can get through whatever I'm going through mm-hmm. today. I've got two, uh, personally, uh, on a personal level and on a career level, the personal level being, um, that drive that I had and that identity that I had of just going, 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 there's certain things that's not yeah. conducive to, um, whether it be relationships or marriages or, you know, my career isn't. I, yeah, I, I appreciate that, bro. I, I fully understand. Yep, right. Got you. Uh, so being able to turn that off and being able to compartmentalize, those are, those are skills you're always going to keep learning, but the, but the humility to understand that you're a little different. It takes grace to deal with people on the, the outside. Um, I don't think I was ever a dick. I don't think, <laughs> I, uh, but I had, I had just my opportunities of keeping walls up and treating like even people in my own inner circles. I, I remember Randy, the, the bass player uh, for red, like he and I got into a huge argument and he's a big dude. He beat my ass, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I was so protective and precious over this little thing that we got into a big verbal argument and man, I, I probably made him feel two feet tall. And that was my, that was my attack mechanism when I felt back against the wall and in doing so it took years to repair that and be the friends that we were before we are now, obviously we're older and our kids know each other and stuff. But um, I think on that personal level, I'm being so protective and precious over this little thing, which some people would say you need to do that. And that's why a lot of CEOs are successful CEOs are sociopaths, you know, at, at, Whatever. But I, I think that for me, that's not okay. And especially with raising my kids. So I think the biggest failure for me was trying to take a step back or learning to take a step back and, and realize that like, man, you could hit a pandemic and this is all pause. Yeah. How are you set up financially? How are your, how's your health? How are you treating other people now that you got may have to go do something else? I mean, I was able to keep working in the music industries, um, but some people didn't, they had to go, sell homes or do whatever that a lot of people do. And that's, 
in Nashville, a lot of people go about, um, joke about that. Like they're all, a lot of musicians are doll vendors. You know? I've, uh, I've seen it, man. I mean, and, and like, you know what? It's no shame real. too. I mean, I'm on, I'll be on Instagram and there's bands. And once again, like these mid-level guys, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the band for the fallen dreams. Oh, I love Absolutely. that band. And, uh, yeah, their guitarist, Jim, I, you know, it's usually all guitar stuff. And then I notice more recently it's him selling homes and it's yeah. cool. He's doing what he needs to do to get yeah. by. I don't, yeah. I don't, Absolutely. Uh, I don't think there's any yeah. shame in that. No, but there's a lot of pride for some guys. And there's, um, how are you with your money beforehand? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, luckily 2019, we had a great year. Well, I was able to make it through the, the pandemic, fortunately. Thank God. But um, so I think that on a personal level is just like failure there would be learning how to humble myself, put myself last, um, look at long-term goals, look at how I'm treating other people, those kinds of things. And I think on the professional level, um, on the business side of things, really learning how much a, a, a the importance of a team. Um, like I, I was the kid growing up that if there was a group project, I would just, be, I would end up doing all the work because I was like, I can't, whatever, <laughs> stop it. You're doing it wrong. Just let me do it. Like I didn't play well with them. You know what I mean? And then you realize like, holy shit, no one guy can do everything. And this guy's so much better at coding. This guy's so much better at marketing. This guy's so much better. And in my world at radio, at booking, at, finances at strategy at social media marketing at like finding guys and surrounding yourselves with those people that that see the tiny little nuances uh, and being able to delegate and trust uh, it doesn't always work out but again you have to take some yeah. risk you have to fail yeah. you have to learn like that was a bad hire yeah. i want to you know need to outline that a little bit better <laughs> in the contract next time but uh, <laughs> those things happen but i i think that that compounds and and having the camp that we do to brag on ourselves. I mean, I know we can play venues and I know um, they look forward to when we come back, they look forward to, Oh oh yeah, we'll take them. You know, Um, sometimes it's a reputation because you can sell a bunch of booze. Sometimes it's a reputation because the staff loves working. They're on better behaviors and they're all making better money that night because they're getting better tips or that they have less security issues because the the dynamic of the audience and you know, um, you know, because in a rock band, there's a lot of responsibility there. We have more aggression, aggressive based music. Uh, you're kind of conducting what's happening emotionally for that audience a lot of the time. And part of by nature, you know, you go to go to a Lamb of God show and tell me how that goes, you know, like uh, or Slipknot. Like, I want to see you beat the shit out of each other. Those <laughs> things happen. I mean, we yeah, can't do that yeah. much anymore because of insurance. But uh, also maybe you know, like the, the whole Travis Scott incident. Right. People are probably oh, yeah. a little bit you know, cautious <clears throat> yes. now. Well, the irony there, though, again, is the fact that um, I think most rock acts wouldn't have responded that way. And that yeah. was, I don't, I don't know him personally. I, I know some of the security that was there um, we've worked with. Um, but, but, and they were in a little over their heads to begin with. And I'm not, these are broad strokes sure, sure, that, I, that I'm saying sure. about it. But, uh, and, and there's also kind of this responsibility of awareness, not only for, for Travis, who's up there. And doesn't see or may or may not see that somebody's passed out and or, you know, dying at the time. But there's an obligation that if we see something or we hear something, that song yeah. stops, you know. Um, and we'll, by the way, when that does happen, like, okay, whoa, 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 is everybody okay? What is it? The crowd loves that kind of shit, you know. And I, I that's baked into our culture, I think. Um, if there's something big that happens in a mosh pit, yeah, they're punching each other, whatever. But somebody gets knocked out. The big thing is like somebody falls, pick them up. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say that from stage. And um, so true. Yeah. I, I was know. just thinking as you're saying that, I mean, like you listen to the, uh, 
the Slayer live double album, right? And it's like, it's heavy as fuck. It's aggressive as hell. But then there's moments in that album where Tom Araya is like, you see someone fall, you pick them up. Like it is embedded in that Mm -hmm. culture. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of a different thing because I think there is responsibility there because people are going to beat the shit out of each other sometimes, you know? (laughs) And it's hard to do for us because we have the people, and especially with like the arena shows, we got people that want to beat the shit out of each other, but then they got mom and dad with the kid on their shoulders next to them that have been listening to us for 20 years. So, um, it, it is a different thing as we get older, but it, uh, um, we're, we're extremely fortunate. And I, I think that those failures, like, like those two really help, uh, not only quality of life, but the ability you're to, to get a, a sharper trajectory of things. Yeah. Um, you don't have to plateau because you're not micromanaging. You're not treating people like shit. You don't have to plateau and or sink because you've burnt bridges or, um, you're not putting yourself out there enough to make risks to have to learn from your failures. I have a thing with my kids that I'm really fortunate. None of them have ever made a beat. It's insane. They're all great at sports. They're all yes or no, sir. All the teachers love them. Blah, 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 blah. It's almost too perfect on paper. <laughs> like my biggest fear is like when they hit a big failure, oh, then now we're getting into teenage years. We're getting involved. It's going to happen. Yeah. But they've never had that kind of adversity. They've never been picked on. They've been the class presidents, all sort of stuff. So we started this exercise with well, I'll FaceTime them um, and just kind of because they live with their mom. But I, I, when they come over on the weekends or we'll FaceTime during the week if I don't see them, I just ask like, okay, what did you fail at this week? Where did you think you failed? You know, and, and like it's, sometimes it's silly at that age. They're kind of like, oh, well, I could have did this and that. But then with, with as the practice goes on, they'll really see like – I saw a kid getting bullied and I didn't say anything or I, or um, I, I was working on my assignment and I got it done, but I could have done earlier. And that would have allowed me to do this other yeah. thing that I couldn't do. Those kind of like, those are just micro examples. But again, if you can get that into their culture and in their DNA, I think that's something that, you know, that constant inventory of going there and you don't have to be afraid of failure. You fail yeah. all the time. Yeah. But like you said, some exercises in life are, are meant to be designed to fail, you know? Um, they are, they are, you know, it, usually it, it, failure, you know? It, it does it, being failing and, and not failure, not being a failure, but failing is just it, everybody yes, that's been that's successful has, 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 has failed at something. I even write that in my books. I, I write in one of them. I said, failing is just a step towards success because that's what it is. It is. You, it is. you fail, you learn yeah. from it. Yeah, you know, in the military, we have a, I talk about it on the show quite a bit, um, but after action reviews, after every training op, everything mm-hmm. it's to pinpoint well, what we did wrong, but it's more to pinpoint, okay, what yep. did we screw up on? Okay, let's let's not yep. do that again. And, and that's the other way. Yeah, you, the the yeah. only way you can learn is first try. You got to try. If you're, never, if you're not willing to step out of the door of that airplane, then you're not going to see if your shoot works. You're not going to see if you can land. You're not, you're not, not going to be, and you're definitely not going to be part of the team anymore because, but that is, that is something that you got to take that step and give it a shot. And if yeah. you screw up, well, so what? Learn from it. Get back on that horse and try it again. I and, love it. And it sounds and I love guys from from where you're coming from. So like uh, you know, like them or not, you said Blackwater, like Eric Prince. No, because I, I was first class yeah. at Blackwater. I was class one. Of the, I, okay, I actually protected Eric Prince and his family when I would come ha- back from overseas. He, he I love his he's, story. He's, he's a little he, his family. He, he's a, he's a little Eric. Eric Eric's a little Eric. Yeah, yeah His sure. family's amazing. But you're you're right. He he's no he's. He, him and his family story and, and then even who he, who he married in with, with the DeVos family, yeah. uh, even them, uh, you know, that their story of, of just working their asses off. 
And that's I guess that's what I'm commenting yeah. on. Not necessarily some of the personal but, traits, but, whatever, but, but but it really is in decisions there. But but you see that with success. Yeah. I mean, you see that again, like him or not, but you see that in the Trump family. You talk to his sons, it's obviously I, I think it's vastly different than talking to their father, but <laughs> talk to Eric or Donald Trump Jr. Like dude, those kids are successful, they're intellectual, um, they're intelligent, they're good fathers, like you know, and they have to prop some of that up for for uh, appearances. But I do know people that work with them. I do know people that have protected them and things like that. I've talked to those guys and just stand up people like they figured it out. And some people, for as much of a piece of shit people say their dad is, did something right. I guess yeah. it goes. A it long does way, go along. You know, and I got no. Eric's took t- good care of us. Eric's a little. I want to say Eric. Mm-hmm. Eric's a little weird because he grew up. In my opinion, he, he's a little weird. I thought because he grew up, he did. He, he he was he grew up in a household that was he already had a lot of money. I think you see what people already. Yes, they were successful. Exactly. By the time so he, so it yeah. does make you a little bit not antisocial. Just I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Well, because yeah. I've always been in charge. Yeah. And then you're a commander on a SEAL team. Well, now you're still back to being yeah. in charge. But Eric still worked his ass off. He still and he still to stayed there, physically yeah. fit all the time. I was only security guard that would go out and run with him because he could run. I love running with her. Eric could run. He was like a gazelle. Um, but you're spot on. You're, you're, you are so spot on with the hard work aspect of it and, and the ability to overcome failings and not look at it as being a failure. It's just a failing. Okay. I, I, I jacked yeah. it up. Let's, 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 let's get better at it. And, and you're a perfect example. Listening to this, I mean, you guys have worked your asses off. You've worked your ass off and made lemonade out of lemons to get to where you are now. And people need to see that as an example. And I love that you pointed out, not everybody's going to make it right off the bat in our social media society. It seems like that's what the normal, normal normality is. Everybody's going to be a rock star out of your first post. And you're out there saying, no guys, that's not how it works. I'm glad you're saying that because kids need, kids need to hear that stuff that it takes hard work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the, I, I, something while you're we're talking, I just thought of another important lesson, I think, for a lot of it is that not only experiencing failure and being able to grow back for it, be, but be able to step back and go like, dude, I am so sorry. I fucked this. Like that's Humility. Me. Like taking ownership. Yeah. Of that failure. Like, dude, you, you, you there's a lot of people that fail and then pass it on. Well, it was the accountant's fault or it was, uh, you know, my, my partner or my investor, like, or maybe you picked a bad investor. Maybe you did a bad deal. Maybe you weren't uh, you trusted or delegated too much to this. I, I don't know. But, but where do you fail from that? And where do you take taking part? responsibility? Where do you fit in the equation? Yeah, that, take responsibility. Yeah, take responsibility. Yeah, people will people will always respect that. It's true. Yeah, you know what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, you're obviously a guy who writes a lot between the the songwriting credits you have for Breaking Benjamin since joining the band. And then I've even noticed like while doing research for this, even after you left Red, they were still using songs that you wrote. Um, mm-hmm. You've written for uh, Heads Band, which is, of course, um, Love and Death. And then, as I said, a songwriting credit on the on the new Corn album, the first track out of mm-hmm. the gate. So when, when you write a song, do you how do you decide this is something for Breaking Benjamin or this is something I want to give to this artist. I mean, do you get inside their head and, and just think this is who I'm making this for? Or do you just write and it turns out that this would work best for whatever project? Uh, a little bit of both. If I'm working for something specific, um, a lot of guys will go in blind and just like, I'm going to come up with some ideas that they wouldn't maybe appeal to that. And I have like a handful of those tucked away, you know, little song starts. 
that might be interchangeable for, for as long as it's in the genre, you know, and there's certain things that certain bands won't ever do. I've got some of those that don't have those. I've got some that these guys definitely need to have and have some of those. But uh, for the most part, I think it's kind of tailoring and knowing, again, that bands, for lack of a better word, their language. But Breaking Ben, there, there's just things. Uh, my initial connection to the band was Ben was a fan of Red. And like saw certain things that I was doing that he wouldn't think of, but was communicating to him in that language that he liked. And that's how he knew to spoke. So he came to me like, Hey, do you have any songs like that you've written or demoed or whatever? And I was like, I have a couple. And so I gave him a CD that night of like, I just burn it from my, my computer CDR. Cause I think I had like 37 different ideas. I, Cause I was just always creating or whatever. And I, I don't remember what he pulled from that, but he's like, Oh, Okay. All right. All right. So kind of started going through that. And then we would bounce off of each other back and forth and learn to communicate better, learn our language better. Um, but I, I was familiar with the little nuances uh, of just the keys that they use. Um, it, it, it's more important than tunings, but um, do they slide? Do they hammer on and pull off with guitar? Are they doing inversions? Are they octaves? Are they doing dissonant notes? Is it more rhythm based? Is it melodic based? Can I, can you sing their riff? With your mouth, yes or no, or is it just like a ticket? Is it a metal syncopated thing? Is it you know like you can find different commonalities there that appeal to that um, if you're coming from the writing standpoint. But again, I always view things if I'm starting a song and it's going to another band or with another band or or with Ben uh, or Keith or the guitar player or anybody else. Um, like I always think that it's my job to like create something that's going to inspire them. And they go, they hear it and they go, Oh man, I love this. I know exactly what to do with this. And it makes their side of the creative process easy and inspired. Not uh, the, that's when you're producing things, sometimes it's the other way. It's like, man, I kind of got this turn. <laughs> How do I fix this? Like that's the last thing you want. If you're writing with somebody is you want to get something that everybody it's, you have the synergy and you're bouncing back and forth. And that creative process is you're constantly iron sharpening iron, you know, yeah, and yeah. Um, by by it makes everybody much more subjective. It makes everybody you're not fighting over percentages because uh, of, of different things. And you get I'm not a big that's not my thing. Some guys, they call them syllable counters. will sit down and go, all right, get it out. How much did you write? Let's figure out the percentages. Wow. And I'm like, dude, you want to split it? Let's split it. I don't care. Yeah, if I write eighty percent of it and I get half, that's that's time. cool. Thanks, Jeff. That's cool. And and you oh, brought come back. That's cool. Yeah, I was gonna say you you brought some serious heaviness to the band too because I think if you mm -hmm. compare the older material to I remember when I heard it and you have a songwriting credit on it that Red Cold River song. I'm like, yeah. this is heavy. This is not yeah. what I expect from Breaking Benjamin. And it's yeah. deep, it's emotional, it's heavy. And like, I don't think they had a song like that prior to you joining the band. No, no. I mean, we were able to, and again, these are kind of luxuries of things uh, with a band that's had success and been around for a while that you can kind of take certain risks calculated though you know um but the, at the end of the day the, the most important thing and it sounds cliche but you have to have a good song you know bring me the horizon is the best band out there doing right now they went from like a deathcore band yeah being kind of metal to just straight up top 40 pop and now they're doing a song with ed sheeran and it's acceptable along the way and they keep going up and up 
but they still have those roots. They still do their things, but they've kept the consistencies of the, uh, uh, the quality of their songwriting to a level that it never dipped. So whether it's a rock song, it's a really freaking good rock song. If it's a pop song, it's a really fucking good pop song. It's something that, you know, any pop star or A&R out there would love to cut for their pop artists. They, they hold themselves to that. And they're, it's not just a rock band going through the motions doing whatever, you know? So yeah. I, that standard uh, is always held pretty high. And I think that's just one of those things. So again, for them, they've learned that communication or that language in different genres. Um, so I, I think that goes a lot. How does it? Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, I, I, I just no, 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 go one ahead. thing. No, 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 go ahead. The, the funny thing is like diehard fans are always going to hate on that when a band has to switch things up and they become more successful. But I always mm-hmm. think of um, something Paul Stanley from Kiss said, because I think it resonates for people in the music industry. And he's always been brutally honest about this type of thing. He's like, look, I didn't go into the music industry to play shows in front of 25 Absolutely. people. He's like, yeah, I wanted to sell out Madison Square Garden. That's that's like what I yeah. came to do. So it's just so funny when you see that when a band does do something that's more commercially viable. Like I, I don't think uh, unless they don't really feel it in their heart, that's not a sellout. That's, that's just you doing something to a bigger scale and, and living out your dreams. And I hate when people hate. Yeah. It. Yeah. Jason Newstead from Metallica one time, he said that they used to yep, get yep. all these haters and the black album came out. And so you guys sold out. And he's like, yeah, every, every single, single night. night. <laughs> I remember. Yep. I remember Things. So I think it's just that thing, you know, Metallica, again, that's another band that their business is impeccable. They've set the standards for years and they're at the top for a reason. But um, they've done all those mistakes that I've done. They've, they've made it through that very, Eva, very successfully. I, mean, I, I, bro, I, I know we're yeah. keeping you, but I, I just had, I, no, I just no. had one, more, one more thing out and going into this and, and kind of leading into it is um, you, you write and now you perform and, and you're, you're big on both. How does it how, how do you keep it from, I'm going to keep all the good songs for my band. And we talked about a little bit, but that just the human nature of being, okay, everybody yeah. else, I know they're paying me, but dang. And then how do you, how do you, how do you find the ability to stay that humble and say, you know what? They're, I know they're paying me and not just see it as a paycheck. Say I want all everybody to be successful instead of, I want my mm-hmm. band to be successful. And yeah, I guess a lead on that. Have you ever given a song or wrote a song for somebody else that you said, man, I wish I would have kept that for my guy. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> so it, that's another one of those failures I learned from, um, you know, the blind pitching songs like, Oh, I wrote this song. I want to send it to you or whatever. Um, I think my, my strongest asset now, which was earned admittedly, but is that I can communicate with some, an artist maybe directly just from knowing them for touring. And there's not many people i I either don't have access to or aren't really good friends with in, in all the camps out there. Um, but I can text them and be like, Hey, thought of you the other day, check this out. And it's just a start. So there's not enough there to really push that song because a lot of it at the end of the day is going to be about okay. the vocal. Um, so leave room there to whether it be like with disturbed, like with David or with uh, breaking Ben Ben or with uh corn, Jonathan, whoever, is really going to put their hands on that and, and feel ownership over it and those kinds of things. Let there be room for them to, to see wh- where they, they uh, not only that they want to put creative energy into it, but they're like, okay, this is sending me somewhere. This is inspiring me. Um, and usually if that's the case, then I don't have to, to truncate, truncate a song okay. like, and limit a song like you're saying to where I have to be like, well, that thing's dead now. Or that's just that I didn't let that idea get far enough. Because what I can do is if it's a good song 
and the riff sounds too much like corn, I'll change the riff. I'll keep the song. And that, that has happened twice. Uh, there's a song Head and I wrote together, uh, the music, and then uh, Ben came in and did um, vocals and melody. He loved the idea that we did. Uh, and then Korn ended up cutting it a couple albums a song ago. It was a song called Love and Meth. So they used all the music from it. And then we cut it and used all the vocals, rewrote the music. They rewrote the wow. vocals. Wow. You know, so like wow. those things have kind of happened. At, that's pretty rare. But um, again, we were all close enough to it. Like, hey, you cool if we do this? Yeah, you that's cool if cool. we do this. I, and that's cool. That's oh, cool. The community, yeah. the, the community actually works together. And, mm-hmm. and, and and people don't see that. They see that they see the people on the TV and they do. Well, these must be a bunch of pretentious assholes. But you're not. You guys are actually – yeah, your team. Yeah, and there's some of them. Right. Don't wrong, but they're, everywhere. they're everywhere. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, in any industry and in any you know uh, walk of life. But I, I think that's the thing to answer your question is just like uh, I, I try to hold a little bit back and just present a little bit, even if it's like a 15 second snippet of something to inspire. Uh, I, do I have a yes for them or no? That like that's pretty freaking cool. Can you send me the the stems for that? Can you send me the tracks or like ah man, we're full right now and I didn't waste a song or or whatever. Gotcha. And then I can reuse that or, or tailor it to something, you know? Um, Cause a lot of times if you're writing with somebody, they'll, they'll go back and like, Hey, mind if I t- work on this riff a little bit, we're going to make it sound a little bit more like us. Perfect. Well, I may or may not use that one that you didn't use. So, you know, and I'll tweak that to sound like something else. It's, it's one of the, those kinds. Well, that's how things get back. I, I, I've said on the show before, people have heard it and I, I but range battalion, we've never invented anything. We've pulled things from everybody else that we liked. Like, oh, I like that SAS stuff. Oh. I like that SF stuff. I like what the PJ or I like what 80 seconds doing here. And then we made our own and made it how we wanted it to be. So I, I think that's how you become yeah. great is, is, you know, people are going to invent something. Yes. But if you can take it and yeah. make it your own and tweak it to where it molds mm-hmm. and fits what you're trying to accomplish, then that makes it even better. And it, it sounds exactly. Yeah. That's what you guys are doing. Well, what what was the song? I, I, I'm just curious. What was the song that you wish? Like, man, I shouldn't give that one. I should have kept that one for. Um, you know, I don't even remember the name. Uh, it was called uh, "Open Your Eyes" for a band called Mailing and the Sons of Disaster. I ended up cutting it, and it was one that we I had worked on for a while, and it was going to go to another band, which I can't say, but I think it might have been a different outcome there. And that's not to put. I love the Mailing guys, and I loved how it turned out, but it was one of those that like, ah. Like I missed that pitch by like a week, <laughs> you know, that, that was it, that one band ended up going doing a bunch of stuff. One didn't, but you know, hindsight is 20. It always is. Yeah. Um, always with everything. You, you know what I was going to say too, when you're talking about working with uh head, I, the way that I actually learned that Jason worked from head, worked with head from corn was not through like mm-hmm. Googling or anything. I previously knew Jason just strictly from breaking Benjamin and from red and uh, the book, just like how the books you read are mainly special operations. I mainly read, rock biographies rock autobiographies and i read head's head's book and he's praising jason rao great guy <laughs> worked with him and and also you guys kind of connecting on your christian faith and like That's it was right. cool i i remember i texted you i was like dude I, i'm reading about you right yeah, now head's totally book. yeah so i mean that that was so cool to see and I'm, I'm assuming for you man to go from that to i think you're like five years older than me you had to have grown up with corn like to to now writing oh, a song on a corn album it's got to be unbelievable mm-hmm. that's been really cool so we um he and i have, have remained good friends he lives out here and i just talked to him yesterday actually he's connected me with his uh uh one of the guys that does some work with him so we're, we're kind of going back and forth about that but um anyway he 
he's so funny because he's absolutely a product of, of all the artist sides and the, the little intricacies you could possibly think of because, you know, like his bed is, you go to his house and he's got these blackout curtains and fans in there and he's got a sobo front of that vibrates. We lived together for a while. And, um, because we were both touring so much that year that we were together, it was just like, you just want to make a crash pad here. Cause he, he kind of, he can't stay in one spot more than like two months. Like it makes him anxious. Cause he never has, huh. you know, he's been touring since 94, wow. 93, maybe uh, full time, you know? And so it's just been that it's so hard to, to kind of stay, stay still and whatever. And it gets these little quirky anxieties about things as do I in, in, in other areas. But, but he and I were able to click on a lot of things. Like you said about, about faith, about um, some of our failures. I mean, um, you know, I, I, he's failed a lot, a, a lot uh, to, in, in most people's eyes, a lot, a lot harder ways than I have on a personal level. And, and the level. book, and by the way, the book, which I read outlines mm -hmm. a lot of that. And some, That's of those, it. Yeah. some of the stuff in that book, I mean, he got taken by guys who, you know, presented themselves oh, as millions. like, oh, I'm a Christian and I want to work with you. And they, and they like stole millions of his millions. dollars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and be able to bounce back and then uh, be as successful as he is now on the field and off, I guess you could say, and, you know, in the industry and outside with his other investments. He's got startup businesses. He's uh, his daughter's doing great. Uh, she's in her twenties now. Um, and I remember uh, just that kind of like, he's such an example to me and such an inspiration because again, full circle talking about failures, like uh, you know, he was a meth addict for, I don't know, 16 years or something like that. Like, you know who's not going to do meth? Him. Yeah. I promise you, I have more faith that he's not going to do that again than my, I do it myself sometimes. Like, I, and I would never try things like that ever. But, like, that's a guy who learned, and that's a guy who, whatever, you know, um, sometimes, like, I, in my past, you know, my first marriage, at, towards the end of it, I had a, a little bit of like identity crisis of myself and just wasn't the best dude. But you know who now, like going forward in my relationships, I'm going to bet on myself over somebody who's never been through something like that a oh, yeah. hundred times over, yep. Yep. you know, um, <clears throat> like I've been there and I've seen that. And I've had to work through that pain, that grief and on both sides, not only my own, but the well, responsibility. And, and those vices that you thought were pleasurable really freaking worked. At the end of the day, they're like, oh, oh shit, that was terrible. I will never do that again. I, but you don't know unless you, it's you don't bad. know unless you know. And, 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 yeah, and that's it. You really yeah. do. It's not like I didn't know. I, I didn't, I, I just couldn't empathize with that. I knew yeah. the rule, you, right? I knew the that boundaries. is, dude, that's spot on. I, I wouldn't have known that except for those three years of after the book and the movie came out. And I got to live a little bit of that life being turned yeah, around by yeah. Paramount and, and now being, and then, you know, and, and luckily I had a great guy that played and people were got getting to know at the time. And now, you know, now he's master chief in Halo, which is Pablo Schreiber. He, but he was, you know, he was, he grew at that it. time too. And so now they're seeing and mm -hmm. it, it was, it, you're right. I, I knew the rules. You know, what's going to like, God, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be mm -hmm. doing this. Fuck it. All right. Let's just, and now at yeah. the end of the day, I look back, go fucking a, I will never do that again. That was terrible. What the hell I was thinking. But I also think, man, I wouldn't have known unless I know, but now I know. And now like never again, but I didn't listen to the guys before me that said, don't do that. That's shit. It. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. Yeah. And now I'm telling young guys, no, 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 don't do it. They're going to do it. They're going to just be, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you're, dude, you're spot on. I, you don't know unless you know. Yeah. That's a big saying is in this mm -hmm. special operations community. It sounds like it's the same thing in the okay, yeah. same thing in the rock and roll community as well. It's like, you don't know 
unless you know, and, 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 yep. and you have to learn the hard way sometimes. And I definitely did brought to my knees by God, knocking me saying, all right, I need to humble I, your ass. That's yeah. it. Yeah. The, that, uh, you know, again, you were asking about lessons I learned. And I think that's a fortunately a common thing for bo- both of our career paths. But, uh, oh, dude, you're, you're, I can't even imagine you guys. I, I'm not, I mean, I just got a little bit of taste. That is, you unreal. know, like, uh, no, th- that divorce thing is, um, yeah. Oh, that's rough. It is. That's a rough one. Um, and that's something that most people don't understand because, you know, if you were like me, you know, there were no prenups at the time. No. I mean, she was the breadwinner working at a sprint store. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, there was nothing. So, <laughs> Some of those hurt, you know, they, they uh, and then you see guys, uh, whether it be child support, whether it be those kinds of things, I'm not knocking on any of that, but those aren't things you're thinking about when you're in no. those dopamine dumps of excitement and your endorphins are going and these instant pleasures of things that you're, you're getting immediate response from and it's feeding your ego. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're willing to take stupid risks because you're too comfortable, yeah. you know? Um, oh, I won't get caught. Yeah. 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 I promise <laughs> <laughs> I promise, you know, so, and it's, especially now with social media and stuff, people are, oh, yeah, what the hell are you and, thinking? And, and uh, I, Hey, I'll, uh, some of you manipulative women, I didn't list our show, but if they ever did, <laughs> some of them want to want you to get caught there. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. I can give you examples of that. With some I, I give you examples with myself. That was a bit, <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep because, because, but I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm glad God let me go through that. And it, yeah, because no question. once I got through it and, and really to, literally to my knees, literally in the shower, like seen from the crying game, like I yeah. literally, yeah, brother, I, I am, I, I would, I'm the, I would not have be a, and I am a good father. I, I think I'm a, I'm a very good father. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a even much better husband, but I would never have got to that point without me. I agree. And God saying, okay, all right. All right, idiot. Here you go. You do what you want. I'll be right here waiting for you. And if, let's yeah. see how that. Yeah, that's it. See how that exactly. out and, and it did. It, it, yeah. uh, it was. It, it affected me most. I would say. I, I obviously, you know, with, with becoming more confident as like a man and your boundaries and things like that. But with the parent. Oh yeah. Hey, dude, it changed everything. Um, same with head. Uh, you know, his kind of quote unquote fall from grace, as he would put it there. Like, man, it really makes you prioritize okay. things. And then if you can get that. That foundation going it seems like everything okay, else just starts this, falling in place. Does it really? It, Isn't it? I tell guys that are having mm-hmm. issues right now when I go talk to guys with post traumatic stress. Or are you married? Well, I'm I'm estranged. We're separated right now. We're divorced. All right, that's the first step. I know you don't want to hear it because Fix you're it. an alpha male and yeah. you take care of everything. But that's the first step. Go 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 mend yeah. that bridge if you can. And, and I, I do I admire you with the with the leaving the kids. That's the hardest thing to do is to leave leave your family and, and being able to do that as a relationship with your, with your daughter though, I've been able, me and my 17 year old, it took us till last year to finally mend that relationship. Cause I was gone as whole. Life. I love it though. It's cause it's, it's never too late, man. It's just not like, um, I, I just think that's a thing. And unfortunately my kids, they've, you know, they, they don't, they live full time with their mother, but it, it's, um, it, I visit them anytime I want. Awesome. They come here anytime That's they awesome. want. We don't have a set schedule thing, but they're also just used to me being gone. Yeah. You know, um, that that's kind of what what they know. It, it, it's very different. It, you know, if their culture of school sure. things. Some musicians here, obviously, it, musicians, kids. Um, I mean, there's whole little communities yeah. and stuff from here in Nashville, but it is different. Um, but but uh, that's what they know. But th- here's the thing, and uh, somebody told me this one time is it's our kids 
uh, it was uh, put me at peace so much, but our kids know us that we're going to be gone. Right. And they, they, they miss us. And I, I always swore like the first time my kid says, daddy, don't go. I'm, I'm bending and breaking, whatever, but it's much more, uh, more, de- it's a lot deeper than that, you know, more dynamic. Yeah. Uh, and that being my kids go to with, uh, school with a lot of kids that don't have their dads or may have an abusive father or a dad in jail, um, or dads that they don't talk to or won't show up. Yeah. But my kids, I promise you, they know I'm coming back. And do you get take them? Do you, those, do you, there's so many. Do you take, I, don't, I cut you off there. Go ahead, buddy. Finish. And then. I, oh, no, no. Take, are you saying take them? On yeah. The do you get to take them on there? Do they get to see dad up on? I have. Yeah. That's cool. As long as it doesn't, they're so unimpressed. They hate it. They, they, want to go, they want catering and they, they like, I remember, it's so funny because I remember uh, to go off on a, a tangent here. They, when, when they first came out, um, after things really started hitting and like our staff was growing and we, we moved to multiple buses and things like that. Like my guitar tech, who's, you know, his job is to, to tune my guitars, get my stuff ready, pack it up, unpack it, get it on and off the truck. So I have time to go do, whether it be press, whether it be uh, whatever during the day, um, meet and greets, those kinds of things so that I can just, okay, it's showtime. You got to play in 15 minutes. I can go on there. It's take care of your hands it to me and I play. Right. Well, Coming from a four years old, four year old's eyes at the time, she was like, "Daddy, do your servants always your travel?" Servant. <laughs> like, no, 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 stop it! You're grounded. You know, I didn't do my job right. But it's interesting seeing through their lens. They're more excited, kind of, about the nuances of how things operate. And, and you know, a, a lot of our guys know the kids sure. since they were little now, and um, they like that. They like one good thing about touring is you eat pretty well. I mean, those caterers don't mess around. And do they get you know? the pool? Do they get any um, access to the pool? That's all my carers would care about. Is there a pool at the hotel we're staying at? Is they do you get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the days off, you know, I try to do it around. We can do some that's cool there. But again, when they come out, when they go home, I need yeah. to, oh, yeah. you know, it, yeah. it really is. A, that's awesome. But they like the bus. They love being able to kind of sleep in. You get little cocoons in there, oh. man. It's freezing and cold and pitch black. It's great. <laughs> so you can. Lay down. It's one o'clock in the afternoon, one in the morning. Your body doesn't know the difference, and uh, they they have a lot of fun. But uh, usually, you know, the last few touring cycles has been more difficult because it, it falls more during the sure, school year. That's hard. And I'll pull them out of school for a little bit, but um, you know, it just it really depends on, on what we're doing. The access COVID, obviously, with restrictions, we had to go crazy tight. We're easing up, whatever. But you know, our liability insurance doesn't cover if we have to cancel for okay. a second. Wow. So. We're li- you're liable for a lot of money every night because you know you're paying for the you still everybody still gets paid bands still get paid venue still gets paid their staff gets paid um, and you're not <laughs> you're so you're responsible for it so it, it's kind of a silly thing there I think um, because uh, you know there's no days off same for you yeah. I got the flu so what yeah. you gotta go you out yeah yep. yeah you're out you're downrange it doesn't matter if you're either shit in your pants or not you're just, just load up on uh, load up on a modium just keep taking out a fucking modium so you don't shit yourself. dude i'm telling you i've had to do the same I, i've puked on stage not for being drunk but from being sick i've shit my pants on stage i've done all the gross shit you, you know you don't have a and you can like you get sick just there. so you guys you can you can overdo I, the emodium when you're shitting your pants and if you do it goes the other direction where you can't shit then when you do 
your O ring, your O ring gets tore the hell out. I I've been there. I've been, oh, I've dude, been. it's a it's a whole scene. <laughs> yeah, that we've. I, I, the, I love the IV drips that have taken. Oh wow, now. yeah. You know, so whoever marketed that to like the general public is a genius. But you know, that shit's been around. That that's the first thing you do ever. come on Monday. You're, hey, doc, doc, man, you yeah. got an IV for me, doc. And the doc, uh, the, yeah. every guy, you tell me, you give me that. Yeah, you walk man. in there. You walk in the in the medic and you see. There's fucking Ramirez then with the damn drip in. We know he's been out in Tacoma, <laughs> but that's, but that, that's, that is, a, see, that's, why don't I think of that kind of shit? You got guys saying like, oh, man. same. Yeah. Somebody's being creative in another way that I don't, I don't have that. You know? and it, we, we have that a lot too. So you, we've been doing the, we call them rock docs to come out. You know, you call, you're in St. Louis or whatever, just your network and just have somebody come out, bring bags or somebody come out, break, write a script or like uh, they won't do, you know, O- opioids or anything like that, but they'll do like a Z pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I call it in for you, that kind of stuff, just to kind of keep you going. But uh, yeah, the kids have gotten to experience the whole gamut of all those kinds of things, and um, it's it's just different. It's different. But again, uh, to come back to what you were initially saying, we're always coming back. You know what I mean? Like when you come back from a deployment, or you come back from a business trip, or those kinds of things, you're coming back, and you're going to be just as present. Yeah. More present so than a lot of other fathers, unfortunately, that are out there. I know. You're, you're right. You're, yeah. you're right. And Z-Packs are the life's Zip, Z-Packs and Ciproflaxin. Those are two things we took over I, right there. I keep That's one in my, my guitar case. At, well, my guitar <laughs> bolt at all times. It's not here. It's in, it's up at the warehouse. But that uh there's one in there right now. <laughs> Always on stage. That's 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 what, nice. that's what gets gets you through, bro. I know. Yeah, that was yeah. great. I, I, I yeah. Awesome. Well, I do. I do have one last thing I, I want to ask. Yeah. And I, I know we've gone long here, but I mean, I no, I, I do want to bring up the big thing is basically the tour that you're right. here to promote yeah. because of the fact sure. that that's actually why I wanted to bring you on. I mean, I've been seeing. Oh, well, I get thank the, you for I, that. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, I get the email blasts of Breaking Benjamin is on tour in your area. And then I was just at Mohegan Sun last week to see Louis J. Gomez. And I see your face on all over Mohegan Sun advertising Breaking Benjamin coming. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you guys are on tour April to May with Seether and Star Set and Lacey Sturm. I mean, that's a killer lineup. That's Lacey Sturm, formerly of Flyleaf. Yep. Seether, great band. I mean, I played the yeah, hell out of that first of album. Great, great mm-hmm. band. I'm excited to see that. And then also you're doing several uh, major festivals. Welcome to Rockville in Daytona Beach, Florida. Upheaval Festival in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then also Inc. Carceration Festival in Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, mm-hmm. I just got to ask, man, are you psyched for this tour? I, I'm going to try to come out to the Mohegan Sun date. I haven't seen Please you do. Yeah, obviously you hit me up. We'll take care of you, of course. Right, I'll, be the, um, I'll be there. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, it's been a blast. Uh just pr- even getting into the prep and getting back into those conference calls that we used to loathe like, are fun. You know, it's just like, okay, we got momentum. Like this is the job. This is what we're doing. And it's easy to get burnout, obviously. Um, but uh, I have like a threshold of about seven weeks on either side. If I'm home, I hit week seven. I'm like, I got to go. If I'm out, I hit week seven. I got to come home. You know, um, it, it doesn't work out that conveniently all the time, obviously, but um it's so nice to and refreshing and uh to anybody listening like yeah hope to see you there the ticket sales are going great there's been a great response um so i i think it's a good package good people i've known all those bands for i mean at least 13 14 years apiece you know um and it's it, it even when they were in other bands you know uh star set used to be in a band called downplay i worked with i wrote with them back or whatever and that relationships kept up we've done a lot of touring with them and on their new album i played all the guitars and bass on that album so like i went out and recorded for them so i, I familiar with those guys uh see their uh sean are 
singer lives out here. He's about five miles from me. Uh, it's just kind of a cool, small community thing. So we're really excited about it. I think it's going to um, add for a big tour. Uh, I think I don't want to speak ahead of turn, but I know that we'll be doing some stuff like interchangeably between the bands. That's cool. We've all done songs together or we've uh, just as friends, we'll do a cover together, that kind of stuff. And then um, I don't know when this comes out, but uh, we'll have it up on Monday. Okay. All right. So tomorrow <laughs> okay. there will be a big announcement as well <laughs> for uh, um, some summer plans that we have coming up. Some more, wow. um, some more exciting news. I can tell you off air here, but. Um, oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Really excited about it. So it, it's going to, all those things falling into place and having um, that, that momentum uh, there again and being able to reconnect with not only fans, but just friends, you know, I, I, most of my best friends come from touring over two decades. So, uh, but very few of us live in the same state, even, you know? Yeah. So we, 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 there was a lot of FaceTime and phone calls and video game playing together while we were, we were off, you know? staying connected, but, uh, just to be back and like on that bus and you know how that is. You're just brothers. When you're living on top of each other like that, you see each other more than any spouse, more than any friendship, more than any business partner. It's there's, it's something to speak of. Like you, you grow you together. Yeah. And you get used to a lot of things. I, I remember still living in a Connex box in Cabo with one of our, one of my GRS buddies and we called him wanker. Well, yeah, that's, that's why guys, I'd say, yeah, that was, and, and he, and he, and he was single and he didn't give a crap. He, he would FaceTime. I, the dude would do some sick shit. And I'm like, dude, I'm, 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 in the, I'm like, wanker. I'm like, wanker. I'm on the top bunk, dude. Can you at least let me go? And I said, I'm going to go get some chow. You finish what you're doing. I'll be back here in a little that's bit. Right. But I loved him. And so, I, I now I'm said his first name, but I shouldn't know. Anyway, but he was a guy I would ride, ride in, miss me and him and go do any op in the world with. But it was that kind of shit that made, that makes trips and deployments. That ha- that's where you get the stories from. Not always the, the get the bombs and the blows and stuff. It's, it's that living together and you write literally on top of each other in the back of a freaking truck connex box and, and and mm-hmm. and and guys that just don't give a shit and me going, dude, put your put your wanker away, wanker. I let me at least go. Let me at yeah. least can I at least get out of here first before you start doing this with this Dutch girl on FaceTime that or it was Skype yeah. at that time. We have FaceTime. <laughs> Skype Skype at that time that you just met whatever on whatever dating dude. app that was out there at that dating site. There wasn't even apps of that. That's all they whatever. But it that right. that that's the stuff that brings that it did it bring it brought it brings guys together it brings teammates together and it I makes think so too it yeah it and it Foundation, makes for good stories fabric and that's you yeah. know yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. there's a lot yeah. of those there i mean we have all all of them from <laughs> bus life over the years it's crazy yeah. Well, we, well, maybe we'll hey, have so, to, stuff that would blow your mind. <laughs> we'll do an X-rated version uh, on your next one. We'll talk about <laughs> bus life with Jason Ross. That's how we'll, we'll do it. Please, uh, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this, this was awesome. I, I really appreciate you going along with us here. I think people are going to get a lot out of yeah. it. And and come out to the shows, guys. I'll, I'll be there, like I said, April 23rd. Mm-hmm. I have it marked on my calendar, and I haven't seen you in a while. So if you're able to make it happen, I, I mean – I'll buy tickets regardless. I'll be there. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. I, it's going to be fun. I love Mohegan Sun too. The, my birthday is actually Mohegan. the day after that, so it's going to be a fun night. <laughs> Mohegan is great, man. I'm excited. Yeah. You know what? Actually, one really quick last question that I'm wondering yeah. for our audience: have, have you guys ever gotten a chance to do anything for like military members? Yeah, have you, have you ever, I, you've like, never done the USO you, or anything like, like a mutual. That, yeah. 
Yeah, well, I'm just wondering. I mean, I just wanted to give an example here, like our mutual mm -hmm. friend who, who you, you may remember, Jason, because I know you listen to like old stuff that I did. Mm -hmm. uh, Drew Dwyer, who passed away, like yeah. he got to go backstage, for, former Marine, you know, he got to go backstage for Lincoln Park and like that made his day, like mm -hmm. him and his wife. I, yeah. I wondered, do you ever get to do that? Yes. Yeah, so on the personal level, yes, uh, with things like that. Uh, obviously, that, that's one of the ways I connected with Mike Britland, you know. I love having on the shows. He's a blast. Um, and some other guys, some other operators are out there that, you know, probably wouldn't want to advertise too much, but they, uh, they're still at it. But uh, as far as USO goes, the, the biggest obstacle we have. Is well, that's what, that's what EA and, and tell, right, tell them. Yeah. I hate, I yeah. hate flying too. I, and I've hit it. I've hit it yeah. since I was started jumping on a plane. I, every time we're in a plane, I'm like, God, turn this freaking light on. I need to get out of this. I would, mm -hmm. I didn't want to sit there. And I, I, I don't, I, but in that defense international shows, you said he, Ian says he takes boats over. I did anti, I did anti piracy yeah. work in the Indian Ocean off the coast of Somalia. I don't know how that's okay. even better. I, we got caught in one freaking monsoon, and I was shitting. I would rather have been mm -hmm. getting shot. He went through a hurricane one time. Holy yeah. crap! Uh, but the thing for him there is he does have a very practical answer. So he used to fly, and then um, he has everybody. If you fly yeah. enough. You've got some some rough yeah, yeah, flights, yeah, uh, but you also know that those rough flights are just that. It doesn't mean you're yeah. going down. I mean, the, the way those things are designed are yeah. incredible. You know, my family being in the Air Force and being pilots and stuff like that, dude, they're going to take a yeah. beating. You know, you can lose engines, you can do whatever. It's going to be uncomfortable, but your your survivability rate is pretty yeah. pretty high. So um, anyway, there's anxiety associated with that. So he had had a couple rough flights. The Travis Barker accident with DJM okay. happened. Um, that shaked a lot of guys like in the music industry. Now that was yeah. a PJ, that was a private jet, but uh, there's other, you know, that some people say it's safe or some people have certain risk. It's just, there, there's more room for human error because there's not as much accountability sure. in a private sure. jet. That's all. Um, so it, it was that kind of scared, scared him a little bit and put it back. He's like, all right, I got one more flight. And he got there and just on the flight had the worst panic attack I, in his I, life. He's like, wow, I don't know what wow. it is, yeah. you know? And so he got back off and said, okay, I don't know what's happening, whatever. And then I'm not flying. I'm not flying. Got talked into one more flight about two years later. Same thing. Got on that plane. Worst pandemic of his life. And he just said, I'm done. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know whatever. And, and he, he's, he's a sober guy. He's clean. So he, he's not going to take anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, we've offered, dude, how much is it going to take you to we'll sedate you? <laughs> I will hire an anesthesiologist to come put you under. We'll wake up when you get there. It doesn't yeah, matter. Stuff Michael not, Jackson was on, right? Yeah. 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 I, um, so it's, it, it's, it's, I, I, I understand. It. I get it. I, I, you know, yeah. so for him being in the ocean, he doesn't respond that way. It works. Yeah. I don't I mean, know that's what sucks for me is I'm scared of both flying and being on a ship. Now I will not get, <laughs> when, when we docked in, in Durban, South Africa, we docked there and I got off and I was like, Shh, I'm going back to Jira. Uh -huh. Fuck this. No, no more oceans for me. <laughs> I'm out. And, uh, but, and Ian knows this. Yeah. I would rather everywhere, if I'm speaking some more doing training, if I can drive there, I'll drive because I I'm the same way. So I, I get what he's going through and I know they're safe. I, yeah. I know I've been on, I don't know how many military and planes I've been on, but it is, it's, I think it's that lack of not having control. You don't, I, there's no control yeah. and I've got to rely on control yeah. of somebody else that I know is way more capable than me, but there's still that lack of control. It's not even worried about the yeah. aircraft. It is. It's like, God, I, I'm in my life's in somebody else's hands. This sucks. I don't like this at all. And, and that's how, that's how I feel. Yeah. So I, I get it. I understand. Definitely. Yeah. 
So yeah. you know what? Last thing is I'll just run through where you guys Please. are playing for the uh, for the audience here, if they're going to be able to be there. Uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, Mohegan Sun, as I awesome. said, Glens Falls, New York, State College, Pennsylvania, Atlantic City, Reading, Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, Camdenton, Missouri, Evansville, Indiana, Cincinnati, Ohio, Simpsonsville, uh, South Carolina, Birmingham, Alabama, Pensacola, Florida, Brandon, Missouri, and Savannah, Georgia, and awesome. of course those three festivals. So, like, guys, if you're in the area, come out, check them out. Uh, BreakingBenjamin.com if you want to look at the dates. At Jason Rao on Instagram, which is spelled at J A S E N R A U C H, uh, and of course at Breaking Benjamin on all social media. Uh, once again, man, really appreciate you going yeah, long, thanks, and, and I'm excited to, to see you in person again Dude, in years. Absolutely, thank you guys for your time. It means a lot. Uh, yeah, my, Chris, I'm obviously familiar with, with with your story and thanks, what you bro. do, and dude, keep on. It's so uh, sick. I, I love seeing guys like you just still active. Thanks, and still, putting it out there and, and sharing the stories and, and, and in a different way than, than how everybody te teases the seals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the seals are just authors in training. Man. I, I, I used to teach trees them all the time until I looked at myself and I did a sunglass commercial. I'm like, Jesus, I, I can't tease them anymore. I wrote three books. I oh, wrote yeah, three books yeah. and I go on TV. I guess, I guess and now I'm a ranger that I get shit because uh, where you, now you're a seal, I guess all my ranger buddies tell me that. Like, ah, yeah, but no, I, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's so cool. So funny because that's it. What, what did, you know, uh, off grid magazine do for, for retired guys lives? I mean, you know, all, there's a lot of ads and stuff out there. I love seeing people like, yeah, no, it is. you know, I love it. it, I love it. And I should throw out there, by the way, our, uh, our sponsor guns, coffee, freedom. They, uh, yep. they came on board when they heard that you yeah. were on and they were like Dang. big fans of Jake. Oh, awesome. I love breaking Benjamin. Yeah. So uh, shout out to them as, as well. Yeah. Absolutely. We wrap this yeah. up. And if you ever, guys, you get farther, I'm all the way in Kansas. So if you get farther in the Midwest, Tulsa, Kansas city, uh, I'll keep an, I'll keep we an will. eye out for you. We'll be there. I might shoot you a text. I, I, it depends if mama lets me go or if she, she probably would want to go. She's like, no, hell, let's get away from the kids. We're going on a date. She, mama will probably want to go. Yeah. Always welcome. Yeah. Please let me Thanks, know. Thanks, That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never, never. quit.